Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future, this episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. So check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. In this episode, I talk to Alex Ross about his journey from being a mobile disco DJ to producing tracks for Pitbull's album. He gives an honest and thought-provoking insight into the world of releasing music and the pressures and joys that brings. Alex is a super talented, self-taught music producer who is only going to go on to find further success in the industry. His story offers a lot of guidance for anyone looking to succeed in the music industry. So let's get straight into it. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Okay, I'm in Huddersfield and with Alex Ross. Um, I have varying memories of, of Huddersfield. Yeah. I think that one of the memories that sticks out to me the most is a very long time ago, I came to do a DJ competition in Huddersfield, two mates, so there was three of us, mm. right? And we'd, we decided, it was, I think it was a Red Bull thing or something. It might have been at like the Tokyo's, as like, oh, as yeah. people in Huddersfield would call it. Um, and like, so, so we were like three residents of Digital at the time. And for some reason, we'd, just, we'd been invited to this DJ competition thing. And um, there were three of us who didn't really, we sort of DJ together a bit. We sort of decided to call ourselves the Sunshine Massive. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but we'd been practicing on, this just came back to me tonight, which is why I have to yeah. fucking tell it. I just need to get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. And we'd been practicing on like four CDJs, like two each side of like a pioneer, I think like 600 mixer or something at the yeah. time. And we had like a bit of a, a bit of a routine. Do you know what I mean? Like we had a bit of things where there was like people looping. We had, yeah, weeks. we had, we had like a headphone splitter. Um, <laughs> and we had like, we practiced a little, even if like the intro was practiced, maybe there was bits in the middle that were freestyle, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was definitely set pieces. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like start, middle, end, right? What year is this? Oh, mate. Like, I don't know, 10, 10, 12 years ago. Something. So when I started going out. But, 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 <laughs> but what happened was, so we got there and we've been practicing for like, I don't know, two or three weeks on four CDJs, DJM 600 or yeah. something. And we got there with our little CD wallet ready to fucking rock it. And there was like, it was a Denon double CD oh, deck. No. What, like the, the mobile DJ one with little jog wheels? <laughs> what, are you expecting four decks? I expected four CDJs! And nowadays you get fucking headliners that ask for four decks and use two. So we got there, like, with our CD wallets, and it was like, there was a double, a Denon double thing, there might have been one yeah, CDJ, or there, or there might have been one CDJ, like a 900 or something, and then there was Ooh, double, no. double CD decks and a 1210, which was no use to us. And then the mixer was like... And then, so we were just like, all this stuff that we had pre Anyway, oh. it's enough about me. I'm in oh, Huddersfield. I bet that's still fucking going, that den on, that den on deck. Yeah. They prob- don't break then. Probably. Right, anyway, so we're going to start the podcast off in the same way that we always do, which is, where did your first, like, what are your first memories of music, really? Like, was it was it parents? Was it radio? Is it like, you know, where, where did you just remember hearing music for the first time? Uh, I guess my first... Memory of music was probably um, in the car, maybe, with my mum. And I used to have a Doctor Hook album. Okay. Do you remember Doctor Hook? Yeah. 
So Sylvia's mother. Yeah. All them. Like she went into Motown. She was into Doctor Hook, which like, is that before Motown? I don't know. Are you is it, you, is your are you the older brother? Like no, I'm the younger. You're the so younger I've got brother. A brother. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Doctor Hook. Uh, do you remember? Um, there was Liquid Dreams by a band called O Town. Yeah. And if anyone's not heard it, go so it's like in 1998 maybe. So yeah. I've yeah. been about seven, six, seven year old. Uh, Liquid Dreams by O Town. A song about actually, uh, yeah. In your pants, in your yeah. dreams. Yeah, with on mainstream things. Like nice. Yeah. Um, and then how oh, how much older is your brother? So my brother's four years older. Because I always think I'm an only child, right? But I, I always think, and on these podcasts as well, like Ben Rainey brought it up about his sister, and I know just from mates as well, like because I have mates, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, my brother's like listening to like yeah. these these like bonkers cassettes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so yeah. T- did he like just did those four years? Right. So yeah, my brother was a massive influence. Uh, apart from like that, was a really early memory was the the Doctor yeah. and those kind of yeah. songs. The main influence was my brother, and it was. Um, Give it to me, baby. That give it to me, baby. Yeah, yeah offspring. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I heard offspring. That, I went, yeah. What's that? Pretty fly for like, guy. Were Australian or South African? No, crazy band music. No, they're or the American. No, they're American. Offspring are a proper like. Like, people remember that record and think that it was... Oh, I remember the tape, because I but, stole it. But, but off, was... Offspring were a pr- pretty, like, like a, a sort of American punk band, so yeah. they did do so a lot of I, other I, stuff. I stole the tape out of my brother's room, and I remember it had a little kid on it and a red background, but that's all I remember. And I used to nick it and put it on my thing. But I was too young to even afford music then, so I was just stealing his, and he used to he used to cane that Eiffel 65 blue. Nice. Um, then... Uh, another thing at that point in time so I must have been about eight and I'd learned so my mum I don't know how she'd done it or if my brother had done it we had a hi-fi in the room and it did you share a bedroom TV. with your brother no no separate bedroom all right okay but we had a we, we did we had a, a hi-fi in his living room which you record connected to the tv oh, yeah but this is after radio like radio were a thing obviously but yeah we just got mtv that like yeah uh, channels but the biggest channel was the box yeah the box was the best channel and it ran into the hi-fi so I bought some tapes, and my granddad he was a karaoke, he had a karaoke company. That's how I kind of got into music. Okay, that's I moved cool. On to that, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got loads of tapes off my granddad, and I used to just record the the box through the hi fi, press stop when the adverts were on, then record, and then I don't even know why because I didn't have a car. We're only about ten, but I'd then take it and put it in my Walkman, or I'd take it upstairs to my bedroom and. They'd obviously have to fast forward and rewind every time I wanted to play a song again. They were not skipping. At that point, so so did you? Were you then kind of creating mixtapes and stuff at that point? Like, yeah, and I used to pretend I was a radio produce like a radio thing in my bedroom and then at a nursery. So because my mum was a single mum and I used to go to all these kids' club yeah. like in the holidays while she was. I bet it was a song that you like really hated from back. It then. was, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Just for anyone listening, we started the podcast again. Because there were one song that I absolutely hated, and luckily I've swiped it out of my memory. But yeah, so my mum used to put me in these kids' clubs. Um, every holiday, morning and night, I'd go to one before school and I'd go to an after-school club before my mum picked me up from work. And they had a tape player at this after-school club. So you would take... So I used to put my tapes nice. in, get the microphone. No one would give a shit. Everyone yeah. was playing with Lego and shit like that. Like, But I was doing it. And and that brings me on to another point. My granddad, like I said, he ran a karaoke business in Odertfield. And it was 
in in Yorkshire, he was the only guy that could fix them old karaoke machines. You know, okay. the ones he used to pick out a CD, yeah. spin around and put it into the player. You have to go tell the, the car- you have to go and tell the DJ the number, otherwise you ain't getting your song on. Yeah. Nowadays they type it into computer, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. search for it. it Back yeah. then, if you didn't have that number, you're not getting it on. So my granddad was the only guy in Yorkshire that could fix these karaoke players. And at about six or seven, I used to go up to his house and he said, "Oh, do you want to sing a song?" And I go, "Yeah." What, and he'd be like, what, what do you like? And I remember I absolutely loved Aqua by the Girl. I loved it. And I don't know, what's that, 96? I don't know, mate, but I mean, I always ascertained that Dr. Jones was a better record, but, you know, we could take it outside later. Yeah, but Barbie Girl was the first record. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... But didn't... Wasn't it something crazy, like, the guys from, like, Mandy wrote it or something? I'm sure there's some, like, crazy... Yeah, because Aqua were a front, weren't there, and the actual songwriters and producers were, yeah. were some, like... Were they, uh... I, yeah, do your research. I, I always, in the background, Felix yeah, is just yeah. typing into his computer. For me, it was always like that someone had told me that... just a few dance records in the 90s, as far as I'm aware. Someone always told me that it was someone ridiculously cool, like Mandy or something, and basically, like, and they used, they made, like, um, Book of Shade, like, the kind of, like, but oh, the, like, oh, oh, the M.A. Yeah, yeah, right, but, yeah, like, but it's like, I was always, I'm sure someone told me it was someone like that who basically needed money to buy like studio equipment or wanted to make cooler records, but they just made some of the stuff to like, you know, to, to get loads of money and stuff basically. Yeah. But so you, so you used to sing Barbie girl. So I sang Barbie girl and you recorded it onto a, onto a tape for me. And I didn't really know what my granddad did around that. I was only about six or seven. And I once took it into this after school club. Right. And there's a lady that I won't name her, but we didn't get on. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Everyone always remembers that. Don't they? Yeah. And I played this Barbie girl, and it was absolutely terrible. I mean, it recorded on, obviously, a dynamic microphone through a tape player, and, and I played it on this thing. And, and, and after Aqua Barbie Girl had finished, another song came on, and it was Frank Sinatra. Now, my granddad, I still to this day say that he's the best Frank Sinatra impersonator I've ever heard. And he didn't do it as a job. He was just a karaoke guy, so he could sing. He never pursued being an impersonator. Yeah. But he could write songs. He used to use Band in a Box, which I've, I've never heard of until then. Um and, and record these songs that he'd written. But it's he'd done a cover of New York, New York, and it was on the tape, and he started playing straight after. And I remember this woman that were looking after me in this kid club. She was like, oh, turn that off, that Frank Sinatra. And I just remember to this day, I was like, it's not Frank Sinatra, it's my granddad. Yeah. And she was like, don't be stupid, little boy. That's Frank Sinatra. Golly. And the amount of heartbreak. It's bad that at 27 year old, I still remember that heartbreak, uh-huh. that she was telling me that my granddad was not my granddad. Oh, that it was Frank Sinatra, and that's yeah. how good he was. So yeah, these 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 parts where the, the musical influences probably come from my granddad. He lent was, me my first. Was he? Was your granddad your, your dad's mum? My dad's dad. All right, your dad's dad. So my, did, was my granddad's did, my dad's mum? Not your mum's dad. <laughs> Sorry, not my mum's dad. It was your dad's, dad's dad. dad. Did, yeah. And did your mum like? Did you did your mum have like? a huge passion for music or anything like I know I know we yeah. talked about those talk to hook stuff and things but it wasn't like she was you know at home with a huge record collection yeah, so my was... mum and dad split up when I was four so yeah, like, I used similar. to go to my dad's on a, a Saturday yeah, or same. a Sunday and he would pick me up and it, my dad wasn't a musical guy Either. my brother played music in the house really loud and I used to go and listen and yeah. mainly when I got to maybe ten, nine or ten and it was garage like pure garage and I absolutely love garage this day yeah um, so, so mainly my brother, but no, it was just my granddad in the whole. Can you remember family. going to see your granddad doing the karaoke thing? Yeah, like when you time. were so, like, so every Christmas, uh, we would go up to the Swan in Newsom, 
which is in Huddersfield, and it'd be, every Christmas, every Boxing Day, he would be doing a karaoke. So that was like a, a thing on my dad's side where we'd all go. Yeah, and I'd get up and sing. So I'm, I'm a bit of a singer, not great karaoke, yeah, yeah. karaoke vibes. Um, but no, it, it would just. But my granddad didn't really didn't really take me under his wing. Go right, Alex, you're going to pursue a career in music at school. I hated music. Okay, I used to go on the, the keyboard and go DJ, DJ, DJ. <laughs> Yo, 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 yo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, friends from Ross. Yeah. And I'm like, right, fucking music. Complete it, mate. But, um, no, in, in high school, I hated music. Uh, I just sent, sent. out. I remember we got sent an assignment. Do you remember this? This is about, what, 12, 13. We got sent an assignment to make a piece of music and submit it by the next week. And I just used to play on miniclip.com in music, like go on computers and fuck about. And I hated music. And, in Kellogg's Cornflakes, they give away a program called Dance EJ. Okay. And it was a music production uh, program. Very basic. It came with pre-loops, preset drums, and you just arranged all these loops and you mixed it within the box. And I'm absolutely terrible at it. But when you installed it, it came with a demo song. So I submitted that That's to my music amazing, teacher. Amazing. But he caught me out straight away. Like, there's no way you've done this. I'm like, yeah, yeah I've slaved over it all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, you haven't, Alex. But he didn't know what I'd made it on. He just thought, yeah, this is like 2005, six. So, so. Were you, then, interestingly, like, so all of the generations of, like, the DJs have come across in this podcast, I think, like, and even as a music, like, owner, or this is what I'm getting mm. on to, because you talked about taping from the box and mm. stuff like that. So do you, as a kid, remember ever buying music? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So did you buy physical music or did, did. you... Yeah, so... Uh, my brother used to buy a lot of music and I'd either steal it off him or just listen to him playing it because he, he had like a massive hi fi. Was he buying tapes? Buying tapes. Buying tapes first. And yeah. then CDs. So like Blue, he bought Offspring. Yeah. There was probably many more. I can't remember what they were. Um, I just remember Garage and it was that wicked, wicked jungle massive. And he used to mime it and it made General me Levy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that. Uh, but no, yeah, so the first tape I bought was probably blue. I think I bought that at the end because he wouldn't lend it me. So I went and bought it. They're only like two pounds, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I bought a tip and then it was probably about 12 to 13 years old when I bought my first CD. And I can't remember now which one it was. It was either Scooter, logical song. Yeah. Or, are you feeling old now? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Scooter, logical song or uh, Outcast, and it was their album. Okay. Um, because I wanted Roses, and Roses didn't come out as a single. So I had to buy a whole album, which had Hey Ya, Roses. Oh, you bastards. And it, yeah, and it had like a B-side, which was like another group that they had. I can't remember what they were called. And can you remember then the sort of, and we'll jump all, all over the place mm. and we'll come back to it, but then can you can you remember, like were you into computers, because like, you obviously just started with the Kellogg's oh, thing, yeah. can you remember like then finding LimeWire or like... Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah, yeah. So Napster, Napster. is where I started. Right. Napster and Kazaa, and obviously if anyone's listening, of course I didn't use it, but let's just say we did. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so Napster was the first one. They got shut down, didn't they, because they were a massive copyright thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Kazaa popped up. That lasted a bit. Then that got shut down. And LimeWire seemed to last a good five to six years, didn't LimeWire's it? LimeWire's still going. Is it? Yeah. Right? I didn't so know that. And it got replaced by FrostWire. Well, the other thing is, so I only just got... So I, one of the things that I was... I never... Touch those, I uh, used LimeWire for a bit. Yeah. But like, I never was into Napster or anything like that. 
But Soul Seek was quite a big thing for me when I was yeah, when I was when I was, recently, when I was a that's kid. Still going. Yeah, but then I was like, I was I hit my mate up about some like you played this old like this old techno remix or something, and I was like, where can I get a copy of that? He was like, Soul Seek. I was like, Fuck yeah, I've only found out about Soul Seek. He was like, it's still going. Months. I was yeah. like, you kidding me? Yeah, it's um, different because if. It was everything that you've downloaded. So it's, it's yeah, so it's peer to peer. No, no, it's don't use it, kids. It's peer to peer. It's file sharing. Yeah. So you share whatever yeah, your whatever files you download, are, or whatever you're again. online. Yeah, it shares again. But, but but yeah, no, I do remember LimeWire because I, I God, I remember you'd be like, yes, I found this song and I've been looking for it for ages. And then and that taught me then about file size. Yeah. And I knew I started working out at like ten. If it's two point one. If it's two point one, <laughs> it's, not, it's either not going to say no. Be, I did not have sex with that woman, <laughs> or <laughs> oh, it's going to be a really fucking shit song or something that's not that. Or, or if you were DJing out at the time. 30 seconds into the track, it'd go, oh, E-E-E-Central. Pete Tongue, it'd be a Radio jump, 1 riff. Yeah, oh, jumping, <laughs> this is jumping a bit forward, we'll come back to this, but I started mobile DJing at 14. Okay. Right? Imagine my horror as I'm, <laughs> I, I obviously, you know, 14, I'm a bit like, you know, and, and I'm playing this song and it goes, Black and Beats Vars, baby, and I still remember it now. <laughs> Because it was like it was like down by Jay Sean, baby. Are you down? It's come off and just American on the chorus, he goes, boo, 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 black and beats vibes, baby. <laughs> so what I used to do? No, this is the funniest part. Just speak like, over it. Rather than download another copy, just speak over I it. I knew when it was coming. Every time I do a mobile gig, I go, "All right, guys, the buffet's not <laughs> And I time it on that amazing, song. Amazing. And I never downloaded that. But and, and you know what? It's only recently that I found the bastard and deleted it. Off so, the so, so, so that's obviously the, the interesting next point. Is so, so you're kind of aware, but it's also really interesting because you're aware of the fact that from an early age, someone is earning money out of music. Yeah. Um, in a way that might not be necessarily always obvious to people. Like your your granddaddy's doing karaoke. Yeah. He's singing. He's he's performing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's making money out of it. Yeah. But he's not. You know, he's not a pop star. He's not on TV or whatever. No. So you're aware of that. No one else is hugely, you know, mum and dad, you've said, are not huge into music, nor are they hugely, hugely motivating you to do anything. You're at that stage not really huge into it. So then where does the motivation come from to become a mobile DJ? Like, did, because my question before was going to be, when he, when your granddad was doing the karaoke, was there a DJ before or after him? And did you become aware of He never DJed, he always did karaoke. And the way it came about was, I had this idea and I, I don't know, in fact, no, we'll go back a bit. So I was in, my dad picked me up one Saturday because he used to see me on a weekend. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know why I heard it. So this is about, this is exactly, this is the song that I say got me into DJing. We're in the van, because he used to have a van, white van, typical dad. Yeah. And My, My, My by Alan oh, Van Helden tune. And you know when it filters down in the in the middle? Yeah. And they go, yeah. As soon as I heard that, I'd never heard a record filter. And I thought there was some wizard shit going on. So I'm wizard, like, wizard gear, obviously. yeah, wizard gear, but but it's a filter, isn't it? And they want used in pop music, weren't it? Every yeah. song like then, Spice Girls and yeah. all this blue and Atomic Kitten or whatever, they didn't use filters in records. Yeah, and I hadn't really heard and Show Me Love didn't and Dreamer didn't. They were not. I'd never heard a filter, and okay. that's as sad as it sounds. I was like, okay. wow, they've taken this vocal, cut it, and the way it's sweeping back up for the big drop is amazing. I want to be a DJ. Okay, and from that day on, I pestered my dad and I says, Dad. I want to be a DJ, and he's like, oh, I'm not a fucking fad. I wanted to be a mini grass track racer. I wanted to be a remote control car racer. Right, okay. I want, I've had so many fads, and my dad was like, this is just another fad, and I'm about 12. And anyway. At this point, we listen to, like, we'll, we'll come back to exactly that same yeah. point in the story. 
uh, what like uh, how would you been aware of DJs? Were you like were you aware of them on Radio One? Were no, you on radios? Did any I didn't you... even know. Like I knew what DJing was. I knew they existed. I wasn't into it. I wasn't researching. But you didn't know any. It wasn't like your palad decks or anything like that. Nothing like but, okay, that. Okay, cool. Um, this is at about twelve, and my granddad did karaoke. But that's yeah. I won't really say that ties in. No. But what happened? Well, I heard this record. It's all kind of goes from there then, <coughs> and I said to my dad, I want to be a DJ, and that lasted for nine months. And I think after nine months, he thought it's being serious now. So I says, Dad, right, I know I know that it's a lot of money, but I've seen this thing in Argos, and it's a home mix CD player, yeah. DJ thing, remember? Him? Yeah. And he were like, right, I says, it's £200. Bear in mind, back then, I used to get maybe 50 quid, 100 quid at Christmas. Yeah. My, my birthday is on the 30th of December. You can imagine 27th. how fucking shit my birthday is. 27th. Yeah. So I was like... I know it's going to be both. You, you call it both, don't you? Like, if you're born in December, it's a both present. Yeah. I said, it's going to be both. What my auntie used to do, will buy me one and tell me it was for both. And I'm like, course, that's yeah. the same price as what you got my brother. I remember those tickets. Yeah, ex- exactly. You never forget them. <laughs> Noted, mate. Noted. Exactly. <laughs> so, so if, you, yeah, if you're listening and you try and buy someone in December a present, <laughs> we know. you always work out how much it's worth we and know. whether it's both or not. <laughs> <laughs> we know, dickheads. <laughs> exactly. So, so it, anyway, it, so believe me, and he said, right, I'll buy it, yeah? Two CDs. Two CD players joined with a mixer yeah. all in one system. It looks which like... T- it. Which, to be fair, like, I know 200 quid was a lot of money yeah, back then. Seems all right, though, to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was an absolute bag of shit. But back then... <laughs> yeah, you know that thing you referred to at the beginning? It was like that, but more right. laid out. But okay. In fact, yeah. you'd have probably rather DJed on that That's, than yeah. that thing you DJed on. Um, so he bought it, mate. Obviously, I was ec- ecstatic. I was over the moon. And... I didn't have any music, so I said, "You know what? I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna buy some CDs." So I started buying albums, and I bought Clubland. Yeah, I was absolutely in love with Hard House, not Hard House. What were it called? Happy Hardcore. Yeah. Obviously, at twelve thirteen, you're not into like good classical music. You yeah, want yeah, just yeah. like energy, don't you? Yeah. So I was downloading. I remember DJ ranking every time I downloaded on on uh, LimeWire. Yeah. yeah. It was DJ Rankin, and I just remember you sitting there going, DJ Rankin in the mix, motherfucker. On every- and all he did, this DJ Rankin, I don't know if he's still around. Oh, yeah. All he did was he spent two oh, no, oh, no, it's massive, mate. It's like, they've, they've totally, like... They've, yeah, but he just sped musical. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's but like... It's, it's got even massiver again that they do, like, tours of, like... It's not reached down here yet. No. Like, they do, like... <laughs> I thought he died. Mate, they do sell-out gigs in... Um... What, DJ Rankin? Yeah, mate. Yeah, but all he did was make stuff into a chipmunk. But obviously, at 12-year-old, the 12-year-old me absolutely loved it. Mate, what else did you think Scooter did? Yeah, same, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's, called, it's, called, it's called, it's yeah. called, so it's called I Am Raver, right? And like, they do sell out parties all over Scotland. They started doing them at digital. Yeah. Like, it's it's massive, mate. I Am Raver, they sell out events. And DJ or... Rankin's still a guy around. Yeah? He's a guy. Gordon Rankin? Right, if he's listening, I used to download that <laughs> shit, used to speed up and fuck yeah. off as a new song. Yeah, mate. So, <laughs> so that's massive. probably where my dance music thing came to. But then, so anyway, yeah, so I did that. Then this is where it gets into DJing now. So I was just practicing at home in bedroom about 13 years old using Clubland CDs. I couldn't mix for Toffee. Yeah. It had a pitch, to be fair, it had a, a big pitch from it. Yeah. Um, this is before Sync Kids. And it had BPM LED indicators that's, that were out all right. <laughs> by about two every time. <laughs> um, I don't even think I threw a mix together back then. I think I just blended them together and just talked in between. Fine. The dance music came into that because I downloaded these two, two. Yeah, sorry, I bought these two Clubland CDs and started trying to experiment with mixing them together. Yeah, 
I think I bought two of the same CD just yeah. so I could use. Of course, the yeah. same tracks, the or same tracks. Or in fact, no, I might have copied it actually. Cause back then, you had Nero. Remember Nero? That's what I was going to say. At, at this point, had you got to the point where you were not only purchasing yeah, stuff, quite you down, but you were downloading it and then burning it, like yeah, burning, burning it on Nero. Discs. And yeah. I remember buying CDs because my dad had a dodgy friend you could buy PlayStation. Yeah. Games from Everyone's dead, and they come with a chip in them. They were called chip games. Yeah, the reason why they're called chip, chip. games because you use a chip out of the disc so that the PlayStation couldn't read it. Amazing. And and now, well, even five ten years ago, they don't do that anymore. But yeah, they used to actually chip a disc. Amazing. And cut it out. So I used to get CDs off this guy, like blank CDs. And my granddad gave no, my granddad gave me lots because he used to burn his own karaoke CDs. And yeah. Get the promo sent over email. Yeah. And download them, turn into a disc. It saved on shipping. Yeah. So I got all these CDs of my granddad, learned how to mix, and I said to my granddad, look, I've got this um, end of school party. I was in year like nine or ten. There weren't no party. I just told him there was. Can I borrow some gear? So he lent me two uh, Warrior Audio uh, speakers. He lent me a really shitty mixer and a microphone and a lighting bar with these spots that just flashed. Like there was no fancy lighting. Yeah. Um, and I never did a gig. It just never came to fruition. I just made it up, but I wanted all the gear. I set it up in my basement. Yeah. I did a little party to myself. Yeah. And then I just said, Grandad, can I borrow this stuff for a little longer? And he's like, I tell you what, you can't. But I need it all back for doing my gigs. But like, I can get you some cheap, like some cheap stuff. So I bought some speakers, and at like fourteen years old, I was going out and doing mobile DJing, and I was bugging it. And I didn't have a complaint because I so knew how, what I was playing. How did you get? So how did you get those first mobile disco gigs? Um. Recommendations mainly. I don't know why anyone recommended me. I'd never do it. it. The first one was like a free gig across the road. Across the road from me was a bowling club, which is like a working men's club. Yeah. And I just said, can I come in and do like a party? Yeah. And someone had like, didn't want to pay any money. Which is still the best advice ever to this day about how to get DJ gigs. If you're a DJ gig, just create your own. Yeah. Just find somewhere that doesn't have something on. Go and say you'll do it for nothing and just go and do it. I I never had the the idea of DJing and making music. I was just wanting to be a mobile DJ. Yeah. I didn't even know how much money were in it until I just one day guessed at 120 quid and they said, yeah. And that was 17 year old. 120 quid is an absolute fortune. To say I was being a waiter in a pub for four pounds an hour. Exactly. 120 quid. I'm like, wow. I'll do this more often. Yeah. And I just got recommendations. I went on Vistaprint, made loads of business cards, yeah. handed them out, and, you know, like, I will probably really shit, but... So how mobile were you I had the right, I knew the knowledge of music. But I how, knew what to play. That's just a fucking DJ, isn't it? Yeah. How how mobile were you, though, at 17? Like, Un- unmobile as fuck. So who was taking... <laughs> so I had worked out a system. Bear in mind, my mum was driving around in Nissan Micro. I had worked out how to get two 15-inch Warrior Audio speakers... An amp, because they were all amp back then, no powered speakers. Um, a light bar, a lighting uh, big stand, five spotlights that just flashed. They didn't in a micro. Move, they just flashed. And you and your mum. In a micro, and me and mum. And this big rod for the lighting bar came straight down and touched the gear stick, so she could probably come pretty far. <laughs> so I drive around. And then, uh, yeah, Damn. so bless her. I do, yeah, you know. And your granddad sort of gifted you that stuff. She'd come. She wouldn't even help me set up. She just dropped me off at the venue. Right, right, I'll be back in four hours. Go away, come back, load up, and then go. And then your granddad sort of gifted you that, that stuff to start <laughs> No, he made me buy <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I said, oh, granddad, can I borrow your... No, no, you can buy some, but I'll get you a good price. You were a very typical Yorkshire man, let's and, put it that and, way. And this is obviously about you, but at this point, just interestingly, what's your brother doing or thinking 
when you are doing these mobile gigs? Like, is he interested? Did he ever come? Could he not give less of a like shit? Like, uh, just I, and the only reason I ask that question yeah. is because you just mentioned that he's got like a studio. You know what I mean? Oh, so that's my that's my half brother. Ah, right. Okay, brother sorry. Now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I've got uh, a, a full brother, a half brother, and a half sister. Okay, cool. Because when my dad moved, yeah. like, he, I've he, just got he, mi- I've got mixed up then, yeah, so that's why yeah, I was. Yeah, two more was, kids. Right. Um. So. Yeah, so this is the brother that's not, yeah, he's not music oriented, right, cool. but he's the one that played all the garage music at home. Yeah. So yeah, he was, I was massively into garage then at about 12, 13, 14, 15, probably even further, Pure Garage 2 yeah. and Pure Garage, I absolutely... Shanks and Bigfoot. I love, yeah, all that, uh, Flowers, yeah. uh, Imagine, Charlotte I'm at. So yeah. all that is, that's like my baby, like, no one can say a bad thing about garage for me. Yeah. And then you had the other people that were into baseline. Yeah. Baseline didn't really make it over into Huddersfield at my age at, at that kind of era. Yeah. If it did, it was on a Samsung D five hundred and people were listening at the back of a bus. Yeah. And it were tinny. Yeah. And I think <laughs> not to disrespect tinny baseline. Listening to tinny baseline is it? <laughs> yeah. Not to disrespect baseline, but anyone knows me knows I'm not a huge fan. If you sum up garage, which I think is the godfather of baseline, because that's where it kind of came from, right? Yeah. Speed garage and stuff like yeah. that. I'm much more of a diehard garage fan than I ever was a baseline person. Yeah. I think it's Fair very well produced and just groovy in it. It's not angry and it's not it, it, it it's got soul and it's got passion. So how how successful did you become as a mobile DJ? I mean, are we talking like Friday, Saturday every weekend for like, you know, forty I'd say weeks? Two a month, yeah. Right, two okay. a month at sixteen. And then and then what like do you are you so like You'd obviously get into the point now, 16, 17, 18, as yeah. we all know in the fucking UK, is when you start going to nightclubs. Yeah. So you're starting to go to bars and nightclubs and yeah. chance your arm with fucking, um, yeah. you know, IDs or whatever else. Yeah. And you now start going like, fucking hell, this guy is shit. Like, I'm better than this guy. Or are you starting yeah. to go, I want to be where that guy is? Or are you just starting to be like, I want to be that guy's friend? Like, is it just... I think, I, I, do you know what, actually... I am opinionated. A lot of people that meet me say that, but I never went out and thought this guy's shit. I, like you say, I went out in awe, and I'm like, okay. I want to be that guy that's up there. Cool. Um, but how it happened for me was, so I was doing the mobile gigs right up to 19. Okay. So I was still doing them at 19. So you weren't trying to get into, you hadn't got into I bars or clubs? That looking. No, I no. didn't really okay. know the way it's in. And what happened was, I'd passed my driving test uh, first time, just for the record, uh, at 17. And I bought a Corsa, and I learned from how packing get, it into a micro, how to get, how to get it all into a Corsa, I had a bit more room. So I did that. So now you are mobile. So now I am mobile, and now I'm cleaning up. <laughs> Literally not cleaning up. Six <laughs> the tax man's listening. If the tax man's listening, I'm yeah. not cleaning up at all. If you imagine Ray Vaughn out of Phoenix Nights, that would be... <laughs> right, guys, welcome to what, like Sheila's just, 60th party. What, and then I'm playing what was the typical gigs? Like, was it birthdays? Like was it, it was like, birthdays. Luckily for me, I've never done a funeral. I see why people have parties. No. But yeah, it was all, so the worst party I did, wasn't it? I don't even know a name, was an 18 year old. And I got booked and I said, right, 150 quid, I'm in Home Firth, which is like five mile drive. I got to the gig. She's like, can you be there really early? You'll get expecting 100. I says, of course I can. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come half an hour earlier than what I normally come, which is like an hour. I set up, I brought an extra pair of speakers. I didn't charge them because I thought, you know, if my gear doesn't fill it, it's to me, so yeah. I thought if it's 100 people, like if it's 200 or 300 people, she said, but I'll bring you some extra speakers. I just bought some new ones. Set up, I brought an extra lighting bar, brought everything. I brought a smoke machine, then got told I couldn't use it because we were a working men's club and set up fire armor. Got to the gig, set up. An hour in, 
this, this five or six people, and I'm thinking, all right, fair enough, they're always late. Not joking, right? Four hours in, 25, 30 people had turned up, we've, and I felt so bad for the girl. We've, we've, all had gigs. we've all had gigs like that, mate. We're 18, I know. <laughs> I think they had our playing. But 18-year-old, uh, and she had about 20 friends, and I, I, I felt more sick for her. And I, but then I'm like, fuck's sake, taking me here just to get all this gear in my car, so I brought an extra pair of speakers. Um, but no, so yeah, when, I was mainly doing, it was surprising, because I was getting booked for a lot of older people gigs, like 40ths and 50ths and um, stuff like that. But like I said, I knew the music, and I and I don't know why I knew it, because like I said, my mum was into like Doctor Hook and and Sophie Alexpector and that kind of stuff. Whereas I knew a lot about eighties for some reason. Okay. I, just, I, I listened to music and, and said that's a great record, Luther Vandross, stuff like that, and I go that's yeah. a good record. And then when I was playing them at gigs, plus people would come up, wouldn't they? They always come and, up and yeah, go, can and you play this? Of... And you remember that then? Oh, last time I played a forty, yeah. if they like they Smith, this, yeah. or they like this, and you and know, you remember the reactions to records, and you learn which records yeah. lead to the record and that had a good reaction. Works. Yeah. At, a, at, a, at a birthday party, no one cares what a cool record is. They yeah. want to hear Dancing Queen. Yeah. They want to hear Cha Cha Slide. Yeah. So I was just that guy playing them, playing the music, and and, and getting paid for it. So then, so DJ DJ so wise, DJ, yeah, yeah, I was going to say so. So DJ wise. You've you've learned you've learned you, you train. Not only have you learned mm. you train musically, you've learned a bit I've about how to mix properly. Yeah, and you've learned a bit about setups and music mm-hmm. and decks and mixes. So when what's the next? Like, were you at this? Were you at any point? Like, do you remember going? I don't want to be a mobile DJ anymore. No. Like, like, or was there a point when you went? I want to be in a club now. Or was there like, what was the transition? Or was was it by accident? Or was there not a transition? So the transition just... was a new bar opened in Huddersfield called the Bark and Spider. Okay. And it was owned by a guy. Sorry, one of my mate's girlfriends worked for him, and she said they don't have a DJ. And I was seventeen at this age. <coughs> so they said, "Why don't you come down and just like tell him you're a DJ?" I've never done like a bar it's in town with adults, like real people, and I'm 17. And she was like, just, just tell him. So I went down and I says, look, I'll, and I, and I got, got to know the owner, Mark, really well, and I just says, look, uh, I'll play for free for the first time. This is my business head now. I didn't. I, I just wanted to play in there. Just see yeah. what I, like. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do your deal. This is a 17-year-old bar room with a 35-year-old man. I'll play for free for the first time, and if you like it, I want £90 every Saturday. From eight while half one two, which funnily enough is less than a, than a mobile DJ, but I didn't have to take all my gear, so I'm like, buddy, I don't have to do all that anymore. Yep. I just turn <clears> up, and that, at that point, I got a controller. I was using a Reloop uh, SL2 or Reloop Summit, and it like a little controller. And, I, and by this point, also, I'd got Virtual DJ, so I was a big boy so now. So you're working off laptop? So working off a laptop, yep. Virtual DJ, LimeWire, yeah, stealing the trade. Um, but yeah, and he said, you know what, I'll give you a go. So I, I did Bark in Spider for about 18 months then, okay. every Saturday night. And it was only when the guy had had enough of running bars that I moved on. Um, but were you, are you still doing mobile stuff on a, still doing mobile stuff on a Friday on a or Friday. a Sunday or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Right, okay. But yeah, so that's and what was, I learned, oh, and I was dog shit. Like it, I, moving to a bar, like, right, they don't want cha-cha. I was going to say, what, I was gonna say what was the big difference is? Like for just... The big difference was then I was... Constantly checking charts, I was checking okay. what dance music was good, but because it was like an older end bar, there weren't many young'uns in it, it was more of a cocktail bar. Okay. I, I was getting requests from 40, 50, 60 year old men saying, Oh, lad, will you play Smiths or will you play Todd Terry? And I'm like, Oh, that's a good tune. And that's when I started learning about classical okay. house tunes. Yeah. 
Was there, was, was there, were the people dancing in there, or was it just more of a sort of stand-up bar? It was and... a stand-up bar. Okay. I dance all now and again. Yeah. Like, some guy came up and he was like, will you play um, Where Love Lives? Yeah. And that's the first time I'd ever heard that. And, and when I played yeah. it, I was like, this is a really good song that I've never heard of. So I, <laughs> right, to this day now, I've, I've still played it in, like, yeah. bar gigs. Yeah, of course. Bar um, so, yeah, that kind of happened. Meanwhile, I'm an electrician at this point. So okay. I'd done a, a course in the electrician at college, done four years there. Yeah. I started working, working with a guy called Richard, and he was, like, into all this, like, jacking house, okay. which is uh, not your typical jacking from America and Chicago. It's more, like, basic, baseline, but not as noisy. Okay. So have you heard of, like, you know, like, Ryan Blythe? All right, yeah, okay. So what he used to make at, like, 2008, nine. Okay. Bill Phil, the yeah. Jacking House guy, Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah. Lorenzo is massively famous now, obviously. Okay, like, right. He started with Jacking House. Okay. And it was called Jacking. And it's not really Jacking is what you'd know if you're a proper house head. Yeah. But it's like basic, basic house that's not baseline. Yeah. Um, and this Richard, he absolutely adored this music. Like, you need to go on this website called Big Tunes MP3 and you need to download all these tunes. And I'm like, right, all right, I want to do it. So then I'd download them, and you paid for them, like 99p, and you were supporting the people that had uploaded them. Yeah. Um, and I was just downloading tunes, and, and then it was at that era then that I started going out, 1718, and I realised that this place in Huddersfield called Don Chorus played Jackin, and I'm like, isn't that a coincidence? Then I realised Ryan Blythe, who owns Don Chorus, owns Big Tunes. So this website that I'd found from a guy I worked with ended up to be... So I got really friendly okay. with Ryan then, uh, and I used to go to all these nights. Like, if I wasn't doing a mobile gig or I wasn't DJing for myself, yeah. because then at that point as well, I'd started working for an agency. So I realised that just having one gig in, in a bar in Huddersfield wasn't sustainable. So I signed on with QBC, which yeah. is a local DJ agency. Yeah. They sent me up and down the country. I learned most of what I know now because I'd just been using a controller. Yeah. Now I'm fully fledged on CDJs. And... Then I didn't really know, so I'd go to a gig, realize it's CDJs. I wouldn't have taken my controller, and I'd have been like, "Right, let's just learn." And yeah. that is how I learned to DJ. I'd say yeah. I'm quite a good DJ if I could myself, and it's all from doing it. I, I don't. I think the best way to learn is to throw yourself into it. Yeah, into the deep end. I mean, James like said that when he got his first like. He was saying one of his first gigs was like six hours on a Thursday night in a bar in yeah, Liverpool. And you learned. And he, he was like, you said before, he was like, I was dog shit. Yeah. But I spent six hours. Learning on the job. And I, That's the best way. Yeah. That's <laughs> the best way because number one, you're scared of fucking up. So you kind of take more notice. <laughs> yeah, of course. And in a bedroom. And who's going to stand for six hours on a Thursday night in their own and house? Not learn. And like, but you're not, you're not, you know what it's like. You, yeah. like. you sit your phones out, you like, the TV's on, you make calls. That's like, the thing, you wouldn't do that, yeah. And, and when you're, but in, you're in a bar, bar and there's people in front of you, strangers looking at you, going, who's this fucking thing? You're not nowadays when you're really good at DJing, you just pretend you're DJing and go on your phone. <laughs> Whereas then you're like, right, uh, I've got a good four minutes now to learn what this next knob does, and I've got another four minutes to learn so how to beat match. And, yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, and, and uh, like I said, after a few few months, I picked it up in no time. It's really easy to pick up, it's just getting really good at it. So, this point, then you're how old? You're like 20, 21? Yeah, about you're, 20. You're, still you're, working for an work, uh, But you're working full time as an, an electrician. Yeah. But you still, but you gig in pretty much every Friday, Saturday night, somehow, somewhere, Friday, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Have you, as as music production, even crossed your mind at this point? Um. Yes. So going back to Barking Spider, about eighteen, nineteen. I'd say nineteen is when I first started 
trying to learn a software. Okay. And it was Reason. Okay. Um, and dubstep was big. Okay. So I was trying to make Dolly. Yes. I was trying Martin. to make dubstep. No, it, for me it was more screaming banger and uh, magnetic. Okay. Man. I absolutely. But he's, a, but he's local. Dolly's also local, but I didn't know at this point. Yeah. Because I came and DJ that like after hours after or whatever party. after party. Yeah. Well, I've got a funny story about that. I'll tell it actually. Yeah. Um, I know Martin. I'd heard it. Yeah. So I, I knew this Martin Dolly was local. Um, I'd obviously been hanging around with like Ryan Blythe and stuff and Dawn Chorus and After Party were like two rival events they right, okay. mixed they, right, they didn't okay. like each other right, okay. I don't know how they like each other in real real life but, but as an event it's it, like they're our enemy yeah. um, so I was always so on you the Dawn Chorus side crew yeah, yeah. Um, and I realised example and Annie Mac and uh, are playing at this after party which is at Bates Mill that massive mill and it's a full working mill for the week and on a weekend they'd strip it out turn it into a nightclub and it was unreal My at 17 year old I snuck in at 17 and I was like this is sick I want to be a proper DJ now but what happened was I didn't buy a ticket I was 17 I didn't even know where to get a ticket so I text my own phone saying hi Alex this is Martin just tell the door guy just to let you in when you get here <laughs> Amazing. I renamed the contact to Martin Dolly. Amazing. Right, check this. This is Mega like the best black. way of meeting your idol. Um, I got to the door. I says, hi, mate. Yeah, one of Martin, Martin's friends. He looked at me and went, who are you? I says, oh, Alex, me and my mate's on guest list. He's like, oh, you're not on the list, mate. Sorry. I, he went, can you just ask Martin to clarify? So I text myself saying, yo, it's Martin. Tell the door, man, <laughs> you're on the list. Rename. <laughs> rename my own phone number to Martin Dolly. Send. Right, went up to Dogger, here mate, there you go. Standing really proud, holding my phone at him. Like, funny that, I don't like his number. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, that, let me ring him. So he ring, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> at this point, I think he just fucking the whole job off and running away. Because <laughs> obviously at 17, you think you're going to get arrested for doing like fraud. Martin comes out. He's like, I, right, he's looking around in the crowd. He's like, who am I here for? Who am I here for? Doorman points to me, he's like, a guy there says on your list comes over he's like hiya I went hiya mate can we come in <laughs> he's like who are you I went I'm just a fan and I haven't bought a ticket but, <laughs> but and he's like what and you've texted your phone and I said yeah he's like right let me see what I can do and he let me in and now we're buzzing so fair play to Martin good like, lad. you're a nice guy good lad and uh to be fair, I don't know how we got in. I don't know if we paid. I think it, we literally just got... Did you I become just, friends with him like, after this? Like, Does he remember this? Have you ever spoken no, to him he, again he since? No, he refers to this. Uh, he, he did a podcast, I think. And it, 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 I'm still friends with him on Facebook now. Right, okay. We talk now and again. Right, okay. uh, but he always referred to this story. I once saw him in HSBT in Huddersfield. And I went, oh my God, you're Martin Dolly. And he's like, yeah, how are you doing? I went, can I get your autograph? Right? And this is in HSBC. So he always refers back to this story. He gave me his signature on a blank check. <laughs> in HSBC and they're like it's probably not the best thing to do uh, he says what's your name I says Dog Tits which was my DJ name by the way amazing Dog Tits amazing. for some reason I thought that'd get me really far um, and they're like what's your name I went Dog Tits he's like oh okay DJ Dog Tits right, I've signed it for you there you go and I was buzzing amazing but he still remembers that story because he told it in one of his podcasts can we just um, can we just briefly touch on Dog Tits oh wow Wait, why Oh, I mean, as you can see, I'm a big lad. Uh, when I was 17 and just passed my driving test, I also had a motorbike, like a 125. Yeah. I once went riding with a group of friends and his, uh, what, some older friends that I had, and they turned up on like these big GSXR 600. Yeah. And he went, and one of my friend's friends, who I didn't know, just went, hey, up, dog tits. I went, what? 
He's like, all right, doggy tits. And I, I don't even know who you are, but I am. And he just came out with his nickname. So then all my so group of friends are like, hey, dog, dog tits. tits. And I thought, Do you know what? Rather than fight it and get Fuck bullied, yeah. my name's dog tits from now on. And it went round school. Because, uh, yeah, how did that? Oh, I must have been on a ped. No, it went round school, actually. I must must have been before 17 because, yeah, we're a school. But someone, so, well. someone sort of called it, yeah, and it's just stuck. And I thought, rather than it. fight it, yeah, I'm rolling with it. Nice. So all my music back, in fact, I shouldn't have said that because it's some terrible stuff on YouTube. <laughs> some attempts at dubstep. But yeah, dog tits. Dog, DJ dog tits. So, 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 so you're now starting to, and it's, I was, I always sometimes try and get to that moment. Yeah. But that moment was really like going to the mill and seeing that, that was the pinnacle shit. And like, you're just wow. like, holy motherfucker. And I the thing be is, what's there. annoying is I've never seen a party like that. Yeah. You know, because obviously I've grown up in the era where the towns are getting quieter. Yeah. People are not booking big acts. Like, example, in Huddersfield. Yeah. Like, I know Elliot really well now. Like, I've made yeah. music with him and for him. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Or oh, that is also but, weird. You know what goes around. But Mark used around. to put a lot of big stuff on it. Mm. Like, after party as well, didn't he? Like... But yeah, but don't forget, example yeah. is massive in these that era. Oh, yeah, still. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, but I just mean... But, but, I mean, but he wasn't a DJ. Like, there was also... Oh, yeah. But Martin was yeah. also putting on, like, DJs. Yeah, so he had like, example. And he had... Um, was it what was a dubstep guy that was uh, I can't think another big dubstep guy at that point um, Jackwob okay yeah. remember Jackwob yeah so I think he was on as well then there was Annie Mac she was playing as well but at that point obviously Elliot like example was a Just lot bigger huge. than Annie Mac yeah. yeah so so then so you sort of finished your residency at the Barking Spider. Well, that ended, and then I moved to QVC. So I did all the gigs. So then you're doing, so you're doing QVC. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing uh, mobile stuff. I worked in Wakefield then for four years at one bar. Okay. And and I remember this is like how my ego was. I was about eighteen, and this bar had just been opened called Ice Bar, and they were like, right, um, we need a DJ. QVC sent me there, and it had just been turned from a share bar that had failed and shut down. So as you know, when it opens, no one came in. I'm DJing to myself, and I'm like, right, this is terrible. Bear in mind, in a night, maybe 15 customers, easy. Like, that's it. So I'm like, right, I'm, I'm going to do this myself. So I play a song, go out on the street, talk to people, Jesus. get them in, go back in, change the song, go back out. Guys, you come into Ice Bar, like a promoter, come DJ. And I do it off my own back. No one had asked me to do it. I was just sick of DJing that's to no amazing. one. So I was like, guys, you come into Ice Bar tonight, like, blah, blah, these are your drinks offers. And the manager like, you're doing a good job, to be fair. I'm not joking, in a year, it was the busiest bar in, in, in Wakefield. That's and unreal. still, to, I'll stand to that comment. Like, anybody. That's unreal. It was the busiest bar in, in Wakefield. And I uh, worked there for four years. When does, uh, this might be a question that's going too far into the future at this point, mm-hmm. but when does Dog Tits become Alex Ross? No. <laughs> what, you mean when did it? Yeah, so like... Oh, you like, mean when does it? <laughs> But so when you're in the QBC, are you are you dog tits? Are you just Alex? Yeah, no, I'm you, just Alex with one, yeah. Right, but is it so when and then at what point like when does Alex Ross oh, I'm with you, right, okay. come about like uh, so, as brands yeah. as actors? Yeah, going to so then like Ice Bar and Back in Spider era with the QBC gigs in between DJing and like I DJed up it like uh, in Newcastle, near like in yeah. Sunderland, and all over. But you're still mucking. But at this point, you're still mucking about with reason. You try to make yes, bad dubs. So I started like editing songs. So okay. I, the first Alex Ross tune that I did that I can remember was Sam Smith, La La La. Okay. And there was no dance remix, and the reason why I started making music was because I was just making chart songs that had fit in my sets. You just no wanted stuff. Was. Yeah. Apart from Motor Blanco, Bimbo Jones, and like Digital Dog, you remember him? Yeah. And, 
And them kind of people, if they hadn't been paid to remix a tune to a dance record, wasn't getting done. it wasn't there. Not like today. Not like today, where there's a plenty <laughs> of people doing it for nothing. Um, no disrespect to them, because I want to. No, no, yeah. But, uh, well yeah, so all I was doing was, I think by this point, I'd possibly moved to Logic 9. And um, I was getting a record, bringing it into Logic, warping it, speeding it up to 125, 126. Yeah. And then I would throw kick drums in it. Writing my own bass lines and I was low cutting Ducking stuff the, the, and the like bass chained, out yeah. and writing the new bass line, and then I was tight chaining it with a kick. And maybe, meanwhile, there's absolutely zero tutorials on this at this point in my life. Yeah. Like, there was one guy called Boy in a Band, and he was on YouTube and he was doing dubstep uh, okay. tutorials. Pretty much, that was probably why I started learning dubstep because that was the only thing to learn. Um, so there were no one doing it, and like nowadays, you've got so many. Uh, Videos. Well, yeah, me and Mets will do it now. It's like yeah. how to get the oh, sound do, of yeah, Daft yeah, Punk, yeah. you know, around the world. Simple, it really whatever, the video, like, how does EDX do them plucks? Yeah, just, just because there was one song just, where it could have done with just, it. Just, Back then, I'm like, listen, <clears throat> try and work it out. And I was staring at a saw wave going, how do I make that into a where, where did, like, again, like, just diverting slightly, but mm. just because it's interesting to me and, and if you, if other people listening where how and are you still now learning music theory like at any point did you go shit i need to go and learn this or is it just did you just pick some of it up as you went along yeah and i just carried oh. on learning bit yeah because obviously when you start you want to know the basics don't you because there's, there's obviously there's djing but then in the production side yeah. of things there is what you just talked about there which is that basically that cut and paste mm. ableton logic type thing yeah, yeah, which yeah. within reason almost anyone can do because yeah. you're just fucking about moving arrangements yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, adding yeah, this yeah, adding yeah. that yeah. and even if you're in key or out of key it doesn't matter yeah but it doesn't matter oh, what i mean is, mind, but, key, but, yeah. but but what i mean is like when you start actually writing bass lines yeah. you've got to have an idea of what yeah, yeah. of what I'll notes are in a key and like yeah. what key you should be in like how did you learn that or literally how? like without blowing me on trumpet by ear and right, a lot okay. of times you got it wrong and a few times you got it right and what happened was like i say you learn the basics and i'll put in that music out then I'm like, wow, this is my best record, which still happens now, doesn't it? The newest one should be your best. If yeah. you're in, there's a problem. So I'm like, right, this one's going up on SoundCloud. I'll create a SoundCloud account. And yeah. back then you could get away with bootlegs. There were no copyright yeah. takedowns. Like, for some reason, it just it, it lived. Yeah. And la, 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 Sam Smith. I li- it's terrible. I mean, if people look for it, it's probably still there. But it was awful. I'd chopped two different remixes up that did exist that weren't to my liking, that weren't dance music. Then I added my own drums and bass line. Yeah. It did 300,000 plays within two months and I'm like, what, what, yeah. what's going on here? Why is this so popular? And all I was good at in my bootlegging is like, if people listen to this, if they've heard any of my bootlegs from like three, four years ago. Um, I, I must be guilty, by the way, of overplaying your that, that big boot like the most out of any DJ that's not in, me intoxicated in the world I mean yeah, I must that. be like there's tweets on the digital account being like will they ever stop fucking playing this yeah and I'm like no no I won't. I know, and, and, and then it got that took me half an hour I added some drums and the only reason we'll move on to that quick the only reason why I made that tune which if no one's heard it is that's not me intoxicated yeah uh, and it does say Alex Ross uh, VIP edit or something, I can't remember what I named it, I don't even know why I called it that, but I just thought it's really special, and obviously it turned out to be special, is I got a gig in Huddersfield at Five Bar, which is where I had a residency until uh, until recently, and they said, right, we want to play again, and I'd only played the month before, so I was like, I've got nothing else to play, like I've not made anything, yeah. right, let's see what's out at the moment, oh, intoxicators out, right, yeah. shit, like, there's no one to drop, and I just looked through and I thought, 
And for some reason, I don't know what happened, but I heard that's not me at the same time as Intoxicate, and I'm like, that works in a weird way. So yeah. I just put it together, put some drums on it, did a video on Snapchat, and everyone was going mad going, what the fuck, what have you done? And I'm like, oh, it's just a bit, like, I just mashed up, I just mashed up the vocal. Now, the key thing is, no one could get that vocal, and neither could I. And the only way that I found it, I was looking everywhere, and back then you couldn't make your own acapellas, you had to have the acapella, yeah. is... Um, Four other rappers did a VIP edit of That's Not Me. Right, okay. And it was like guys that, obviously, it wasn't Skepta and it wasn't the other guy. Were a VIP. And right at the very end of a five-minute acapella There's a was, tiny little nah, that's and I was like, my prayers have been answered. Amazing. And everyone still to this day messaging me saying, can I get the acapella? Can I get the never had like, it. I never nah, had, never had it. it, mate. Or I'm just like, oh, yeah, just go look and that's, you'll find it if you're genius. smart. That's genius. That's yeah. genius. And I was like, that's it. And literally, I'm not joking for you, Leaks. 30 minutes to an hour I spent on it, and I just lined the vocal up, stopped it, did a bit of filtering, put a new, uh, some new hi-hats, some new claps in there, a few white noise whooshes and stuff, yeah. and Five. it went out as is. I think I put a limiter on it and maybe... If you put it out on vinyl, I'd have bought 10 copies because I'd have worn them out. I've played it that I many still, times. I still say to this day... <laughs> I've played it that many times. If it had been signed, it might have been in charts. Like, I, I think it would. Oh, yeah, it was, it. yeah, it was really good. If not top 10. But it's also right. what you said there, like Ridney, I always shout out to Ridney, he's got a wicked podcast called Secrets of a Dance It. Mm-hmm. And um, you listen to some of his, like some of those ones... And it's just, it's mind-boggling because we all know how much time I've spent on records. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, he, and he, he talks to like the guy, the Italian guy who did um, the big Barry White thing. And it's just like, it's the drums from, um, what is it, Thingy of God? And like, yeah. and it's the Barry White thing. And he's like, oh, about two hours. Do you know what I mean? And then he talks to like, yeah. I can't remember what it was that like, the guy, like Terry Fire, whatever, made, who made Big Love. And it was like, and his pal had gone out the studio to get some food. Yeah. And he was just fucking about <coughs> with like a vote. It's like, Oh, the amount of times that people just go, yeah. oh, you know that massive hit? Yeah, two and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, uh, what is it? Blue, WD. Yeah. He heard it because someone next door I've seen the Vice studio. thing, yeah, I saw the Vice thing. And he's like, oh, that amazing. melody sounds good, and he stole his melody. Zombie, and Zombie Nation, and it's yeah. like, so it's off a computer game, it's and then it's like, yeah. yeah, and it's just like, but, it's, but we all know. Firestarter by Prodigy is just a preset off an old Jupiter <laughs> or an old... Uh, and Nas, well, Nas was, a, Nas was a thingy sample, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Like, and, you know, but we all know, but I only say it because but we all I, know. If I get more than eight hours into a record, I already know it's a flop. <laughs> because if it's not nailed down an hour and a half, it's not going to work, which is terrible. But like but, we, said, but we never quit. We never I like hate living up to the cliche of it. Literally got made in an hour because everyone's like, "Fuck off!" Like I bet you slaved over it. But we never I learned to give didn't. up though. Even doing like three months in the track, I also didn't think still... it was going to be that big. I put it yeah. out for free. My SoundCloud gained fifteen thousand followers because yeah. I put it up as a game. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I can't explain what happened. It was just literally viral. It was a one-off. It what happened again? Everyone tried doing other versions, didn't they? Like they put the vocal over another. Record. Well, I did the same with my mine was a bit my silly story on that was like the levels bootleg that we did, mm. which like um like because obviously I think didn't Avicii get his USB stick stolen or something. All right. So levels know. so levels was basically leaked months yes, months yeah, before that. it got an official release, right? Because obviously, really obviously had it no no but it had it obviously had no because you had that massive fucking sample in it, right? right? So it got leaked like literally six months before mm. um, it was going to get a proper release. And obviously everyone was battling over it, like bidding wars and, and fucking... Yeah. Ash was trying to fucking rinse the most money out of it for the fucking world. But then what I did was, um, like, we made it... I feel like I've heard this. What did you mash well, we, it up with? We didn't mash it up with anything. We made it, but we reversed it. So I was like, I was I like, I was like, I was like, you've got to get the vocal in quicker. Like, anyway, but we, we made it like a tech house type thing, yeah. like an old school, big bouncy tech house. Like an old so school. You reversed like, the stabs, didn't Yeah, da, da, yeah, da, da, we reversed da, da, the stabs. Yeah, and, and all yeah. that. Lo- loads of that. But the, but the funny thing about it was, I put it out as a podcast episode. 
Like, so I released it yeah. as Avicii Levels, Felix Slater's Digital Bootleg or something, right? And it was literally, it was on my iTunes podcast, but it was it was titled as a single. So anyone who searched for Avicii Levels in oh, the... Paying, yeah. uh, no, no, oh. free downloads. Oh, but it went to like number one in that in the global iTunes yeah. download chart. Right. Free downloads is a podcast episode. But anyone who was searching Avicii Levels in iTunes... I mean, that's just, really smart. And, but like, you know, and TS, I mean, I've got no, no, no money yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah. And like... Got some, if was, if Avicii's lawyers, no, I didn't, and we got, but we got emails about getting it as a, an official mix because like Tiesto played it and all kinds of fucking crazy I stuff. It. Like but, I said, um, I didn't know you back then, but I definitely remember seeing your name on, on but, that. Track. But it was, but it was bonkers. But it's just funny how you said, like, you know, like it's just these little things, like these little yeah. viral things that happen, yeah. and then you don't really know at the it time it's going. Like, don't get me wrong, I wish I'd monetized it. I wish I'd approach. I mean, I did approach spinning. Martin Solveig retweeted it, and I tell you a really mad. funny story, right? 2017, I played at Creamfields. I was lucky enough to play. And I went backstage, and I know Oliver Heldens quite well. Yeah. Like, we talk. And I saw him, and I, he's using Denons in his, in his setup now. He doesn't use Pioneer. Okay. Every gig, Oliver has uh, two engineers from Denon come out just to check it all goes fine because obviously they really want that gig. And I was talking, like, how do you like the Denons, blah, blah, blah. Up walks behind him, Martin Solveig. He checks Oliver's hand, and I went, oh, Martin, I were off guard, like, I didn't know what to say, and I just went, hiya, mate, do you remember, that's not me intoxicated, yeah, I bootlegged that, and I thought they were going to be really welcoming and nice, and he just went, oh, great, <laughs> and walked off, and I was just like, fuck, cheers, you French, really cheers, you French cuntbag, yeah, but, and, and Oliver Heldens, absolute lovely guy, yeah, he's, he's, man, he's yeah, such he's a really nice really guy, he's got time for me, we're stuff. talking out about the Denons more than anything. I was yeah, like, yeah, how do you nice. find them? He's like, oh, they're great. You can jump forward, you can jump no, back while sad. you're playing. Martin, I was like, hey, Martin, can I get a photo? And I've got a photo on my phone and he's got the sourest face ever because mm. he's just realised some kid from Huddersfield's probably taking the loads of money off him. So, but, yeah. So, we've jumped all over the place then. Mm. But, to recap, you've been, you've been learning about production. Yeah. You've been making edits, bootlegs, yeah. you know, you know, the, the mashups, that kind of stuff. You've been doing a lot of DJing and yeah. you've really sort of honed your skills via mobile DJing, QBC, a couple yeah. of residencies. Yeah. Um, Alex Ross is just about coming around about in, in your mind, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. As, as, a, as a brand. It was just the name that I was putting on the end of the bootleg. Yeah, that's what I mean. But it's, so I didn't have a DJ name. But I would never DJ yeah, something but like it's, this. But it's coming around. Yeah. And then is it a long way to jump forward to the Gabrielle thing or is it like, where are we in between there? Like, yeah. are, you, are you starting to then, did, did the Gabrielle thing come around dreams, right? Yeah, dreams, did it yeah. come around as you making a, cause this sometimes happens with all kinds of people. Did it come around as you making a bootleg, which then got yeah. signed yeah. or did it come around with you setting out to make a remake to try and get signed? No, so it came or do you, out or, or do you want to come back if we jumped on too far? No, between... we're, about, we're about there. So right. in between, I'd, I'd, I'd bootlegged the Vici. My SoundCloud had built up. I was gating stuff to anyone that doesn't know what that means. It's, yeah. If you want the free download, you have to, you have to like, sign, follow. follow my SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, and they weren't no hype edits and stuff. They were just like random websites that just let you do one gate. Yeah. So I didn't take full advantage them. of Twitter and yeah. Facebook. It was just SoundCloud. Yeah. And my SoundCloud was building. DJs across the UK were knowing who I was because as soon as a record came out, I have this thing, like a sixth sense, and I pride myself on it today. I know when a hit's going to be a hit. Yeah. Like, I knew when I had Medusa for the first time, like, that was back in October last year or yeah. maybe even August last year. I remember I, seeing your, I think you did a status about it. I did, and I said, yeah, this I is, uh, my, my, it was number two. I were off by one. No, but I, remember, I said, yeah, mark I my that, words, yeah. this will be number one. I remember one. reading that status. Yeah, and... 
And I've always had that that thing. I don't know where it comes Why from. Why don't you work for A&R then? Well, if anyone's listening and they want a new A&R, like, I'm free. But, uh, Anton? Yeah, yeah, Anton Partridge. Call, call. I think I would be a good A&R. Not to blow me on trumpet, but I just have this thing where I know. So, like, I'll re- I remix Sam Smith, la, la, la. It had just been premiered on radio. In fact, I probably used a, boot, a rip off radio to, to, to get the just vocal. Just to get away with it. And I put it out, 250,000 plays. Uh Wake Me Up, that did well. Then I did Am I Wrong, Nico and Vince. I was doing them when they got released. Yeah. So as soon as there were a little bit of exposure on radio and people going, oh, have you heard that Nico and Vince record? I'd already got a remix. Is this sort of it. before DJ City UK oh, as well? Before that. Right, yeah, okay. Before, the, before any download thing would support me, yeah. it was just SoundCloud. Just getting it there. Uh, yeah, and it was sharing links on Facebook. Which is why it went so quick. Yeah. Which is why that your Facebook, sorry, why your SoundCloud sort of grew yeah. so quickly yeah. because there's nowhere and else. If, if you Also, what I took advantage of, not on purpose, just obviously as a uh, coincidence, was... People that had just heard Nico and Vince, for instance, if we're using that one, would then go to SoundCloud and go, I've heard this song on the radio, let me find it. Oh, Alex Ross remix, I'll listen to that instead. Are you still a full-time Sparky at this point? No. No, I've sat that off a long time. Okay, so and and we'll we'll come back to where you are now, but I always think this is like a a a beautiful moment in anyone's career, really. At what point did you know that you could, like, is it, were you doing, like, what were you doing, QBC and... Mobile DJing yeah, and the residency. So QBC, and, and then I was DJing at weekends. I was, so at one point in my life, I think I was 19, I had uh, Saturday, it was that on Saturday, Saturday night at Ice Bar in Wakefield. Yeah. Sunday at a courtyard party in Wakefield yeah. from 5 till 10. Then Monday work, Tuesday um, work, Wednesday a student event in Huddersfield for Ryan Blythe called Kiss and Tell. Yeah. Thursday, I think just work Friday ice bath and then back to Saturday. So, so I was doing. So you were basically like, I can afford to. Yeah, but work. I was absolutely exhausted. Yeah. So five days a week I was working as an electrician. Yeah. But then four days a week I was DJing yeah. as well as, yeah. and I was making a lot of money. But when I was being an electrician, then I, I remember the point. Well, it's it's I, dangerous on two hands, isn't it? It's dangerous being a tired electrician. Yeah. And it's silly being a tired musician because yeah. you're making shit. I don't, put it this way: if I was a electrician, I'd be a lot richer than I am now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I decided to go for what I love and not what pays the most. And uh, it was at a point I was working in Salford in Manchester, and I remember it clear as day. It was December, and we were on this little housing estate, and I'm holding this ladder, freezing cold because I'd only brought a jumper to work, and it was snowing. And my mates up this ladder, three stories high, changing an aerial, and I'm just looking for two hours holding this ladder at a brick wall, thinking, what the fuck am I doing in my life? And from that day on, I was just like, I'm fucking done with this. And luckily for me, within two weeks, and I think I think they got they got wind of my attitude and that I didn't want to be there, I got the notice of, right, one of you two apprentices is going to have to be made redundant. We're going to have to look through your attendance, look through your college and you attendance. Went, and I went, don't Let me stop you there. Time. Let me stop you <laughs> I there. I know the answer. I'll get me cut. Yeah. I literally, do you know what? It's like you're in the room. But I made it out. That would have been a lot nicer than that. I says, look, Aidan, the other apprentice, Clearly gives he's a- only got one job. I've got two. Yeah. I can DJ. So tell you what, I'll leave. It was voluntary redundant. Yeah. I didn't get sacked. So still to this day, I've never been sacked for a job. Uh, oh, no, yeah, I've actually a driving job. But, uh, yeah, so I just said, look, I can DJ, so I'll tell you what, I'll be the bigger man. I'll leave, <laughs> knowing what my attendance were like yeah. anyway, that I was going to go. And, yeah, from that day, and I never actually qualified, which is a little bit shit, but I didn't enjoy it. Uh, pulling cables for... The thing is, being an electrician, they never replaced the apprentice 
in every company that employs apprentices, every year you get new ones, don't you? And you don't become the bitch then. The next apprentice is the bitch. Yeah. He's the cable carrier. He's the one who has to pick all the yeah. shit up. But for four years in my job, they never replaced us. So at 21, I was still the bitch. Right. And I'd been the bitch for four years. And obviously, you just get to the point where you're yeah, sick yeah. of it. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't need this. So, so, yeah, so to go back to where we, that we were then, so, you, so you're Alex Ross, you've got, you're getting your SoundCloud up, you're getting so more gigs. To know about. Yeah, yeah so, so, so that probably ties us in. At this point, I was DJing in uh, Huddersfield at Five Bar. Because it's a little bit different in the sense of it's not a brand new record, is it? Like you've, you've gone back and picked out a classic there. Yeah, and I just thought, why has no one done this? And then I realised they had, like, uh, one of my mates, Harry Bangle, who was Friday Night Posse. Yeah. They did Dreams. I didn't know. I didn't, I'd heard their version. Yeah. I think um, Cook Lovers had done it. But I found the vocal and I just thought, Do you know what? And it were awful. It had like violin stabs in it, you know, from the original. Da-da-da, yeah. And I couldn't get them out with no amount of EQ and no amount of sight to leave them in. And I did a really bad, I mean, it wasn't bad. It were all right. And a lot of people preferred it, but it was like an organ house, like big room. Yeah. Banger. And I made it, and at this point I'd just taken on, so I stopped working, I'd just taken on a manager who Mr. Jam had introduced me to. He was like, I was constantly pestering Mr. Jam. Mr. Jam was playing my bootlegs at this point on yeah. the radio. Yeah. So I was super grateful to him. I had his was he on Radio 1 at this point, or was he on like he was on Kiss or Galaxy or something? Yeah, he was doing one, he wasn't doing Dan Samphams. But he was doing like he was one doing extra Friday or one. Or no, he was doing Saturday before Danny Howard. You know the evening Saturday, yeah. the drive time, what would be Scott Mills now? Yeah. They was doing just before Dan Santos, before Danny Howard. And he's a nice guy, like, yeah. Oh, he's a lovely guy, yeah, yeah. and he's looked after me and he's he helped me out when I've needed it. Um, but Mr. Jam was playing a lot of my records and I was pestering him on WhatsApp and stuff. Stupidly enough, he gave me his number. So, obviously, you imagine, I'm like, right, I've just done this song, do you like it? And I was pestering and pestering, he's like, look, Alex, you know what you need? You need a manager. Yeah. So I said, right, okay, and he's like, I'll introduce you. So I went down to London, met a few managers. And he said, right, what have you got? And I said, well, I've just done this bootleg of Dreams. He's like, that's pretty cool, but it needs a lot of work. He sent it to Ministry of Sound and they snapped it up straight away. They said, yeah, we want it, but work on it. And is that, is that Depeche? It, it, sound, who is it was that? Sam. Sam, Sam okay, yeah. Uh, totally different to what it sounds like now. Okay. Like, it's had a lot of work. I've spent hours and hours remaking parts um, and just getting it where it needs to be. And then Sam at Ministry, a lot of people ask me this question, so I'll just explain it now said, how would you like Sean Paul to be on the record? I was like, wow, that would be sick. Um, he's like, right, I'll see what I can do. If not, what about T-Pain? I said, yeah, either of those. Like, T- like growing up, T-Pain. I was yeah. like, I'm in love with a stripper and like, all that stuff. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Well, yeah, I reckon I like T-Pain yeah, yeah. as a guy. Yeah. Um, so he come back, he's like, Sean Paul can't do it because he's just brought a rockabye out with Clean Bandit. Yeah. T-Pain's down. I was like, that is sick. And I were expecting a rap. So I get the vocals sent back to me to mix into my record. And I'm like, he's singing. And then, like, I was just like, this is amazing. Like, he sounds so good. And, like, everyone, obviously, he uses auto-tune, but he doesn't need it. He can sing really well without auto-tune. There's videos on YouTube of him singing without yeah. auto-tune. Got the vocals mixed into the record. I'm like, that's it. That's what I needed. He needed cool. that mid-late. Uh, and then we reached out to Dakota and... She'd done Fast Car with Jonas Blue. Yeah. Ministry Sound knew of her because I think they signed. Yeah. Did they or someone? And uh, it all just came together. Nice one. Yeah. And it's now around 25 million players. Amazing. So, but yeah, what I wanted to touch on was um, when I 
uh, about management. When I got a manager, um, oh, I've forgotten what I was saying. Well, here's here's a question for you, because yeah. I always this is one of my favourite questions. Um, who was it that fucking lied about it? I think James Ive. But here's one of my favourite questions. I'm not talking about a number of days, hours, but like from the day that you remember going, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a bootleg of dreams to the day it came out? How long do you reckon we're talking? 700 days. <laughs> but we're talking like two years or something, yeah. pretty much. Because I love it, like, because people who, because we forget, like... And that, that, the thing is, though, everyone's like, you can't disrespect record labels, like, don't say that, and... It, no, no, but it's true. It's, but not, it's true. It's not disrespectful. And it's not disrespectful. No, it's not. so many songs to put out. No, no, you know, I'm a new artist. Who am I to No, but it's not disrespectful. Back, that's that's not the, the point I'm really trying to make. Yeah. It's, I think the point I'm trying to make is that... Cause the living with it is the hardest yeah, thing. We, we forget... that you sat on a hit record yeah, that you can't but, bring out. But we also forget, because we're in it, but people who aren't in the business of making records yeah. just don't know. They don't get it. They just don't know how long it takes, and like, and the emotional journey that you go on oh, with a record, yeah. like being in love with it, then hating it, then yeah. being in love with it again, then being sick of it, then forgetting about and by it. The time then it gets really promoted. Well, yeah, you're really, really sick of it, and you've got to talk about it like yeah. it's the best thing and, since sliced bread. And I mean, I've never had a hit record like that, but I've had like emotional journeys with yeah. records before. Some yeah. of them that no one ever hears, compared to some of them that you know. Oh, don't get me wrong. But, like I am a massive advocate for like the mental health side of things in music, like. It is a really dark and depressing place when you are yeah. sat on records that, you know, you might be wrong, they might not be hits, but when you really have that firm belief and yeah. no label touches it or they take yeah. two years to bring it out, that is hard to deal with. Yeah. Like, I'm not taking away from a soldier in the army that's got oh, God, no, people yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but from people the with mental jobs. side of like, yeah, the emotional yeah. rollercoaster that you go through when you've created your baby and then people take so long to let you bring it out. Yeah. And then, they, like you said, touch on the people that are like, I'll play a song and they'll go, why is it not out? And you're like, you just don't get it. Like, <laughs> if I, could, I can bring it out tomorrow, but it's going to get and lost in a, the sea of Spotify and, and then without any promo, there's no point. And then there's also, like, just so many layers to the dance music industry. Again, that, like, I I'm not yeah. sure that people who, who, who aren't in it don't realise in the stuff there's, like, there's, there's some records that are great records. Mm. There's some records that aren't that great, but because of the right people in the right so, time yeah. or the right, yeah. like, And that's frustrating as an artist. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And sometimes... And it's only jealousy coming through in it because you're just like why was that I not prefer me? to call it envy yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah no but yeah but it's the same deal and it's like I don't want to yeah. get I don't want to get lost That's in this a human emotion like, I'm not getting lost in this yeah. it's not an, I'm not trying to be negative it's just interesting for people who haven't spent the sort of time that we have in... and the thing is as well not enough people talk about it no because it's, it's I, I just... don't want to sit here and slag off all music because it's, it's been great to me and it's... you don't slag off I, any I music I work for a living but if, you don't, if you're not in it you only see the lovely shiny outside I mean. of it yeah, like yeah, you don't see the heartbreak the I'm torment I'm not going to slag it off but what yeah. I'm going to say is it's, there is a lot of problems there is a lot of um, issues with yeah just getting like like I said the, the difference between reality and what people see perception yeah, yeah. And, and that's, and that's, that's, that's the Instagram generation that, that we're kind yeah, of in now yeah. really that's what I'm going to touch on. So Mr. Jam, how I got introduced to him, I don't even know if you know this, but Mr. Jam sent me an email saying Pitbull's looking for music. And I said, all right. And back then I was like, I don't, I don't really have anything there. To, but I don't want to look like that. I'm not submitting anything because then they'll never give me this opportunity again if they're yeah. not another artist. So I found this record that me and my friend Jamie Harper wrote and produced down in London. I thought, Do you know what? I'll just send it him. And it looks like I'm being... You know, I'm, I'm yeah. being active and not yeah. just passing on the offer. Next thing, Mr. Jam messaged me. He's like, Pitbull's team really like that song. 
Oh, I wasn't expecting that. It's like four years old. I did it four years ago. Uh, the production were terrible for a start. Yeah. But the idea were there, the song were good, and, and the vocal was on there. A couple of weeks later, Pitbull really likes this song, Alex. I'm like, right, okay. He's like, can you go and just change some bits? I said, yeah. He's like, can you take out some vocals so Pitbull can do a verse? By this point, I'm like, he's just winding me up here. <laughs> I'm sat here, and I, 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 were in my, I were in bed with my girlfriend at the time, and it was 2 a.m., I was just about to get my head down. I thought, fuck this. Went straight home, loaded up my computer, and I worked through the night to, to re-edit the yeah, song into like three and a half minutes yeah. and leave two 16-bar gaps for yeah. Pitbull. Yeah. Sent it off, and I thought, bullshit. He's not going to come back to me with a verse. A week later, stems are in my inbox with Pitbull's verse. I'm like, fuck oh. off, this is happening. Listen, I've got them on here, like I'll show you after. And I'm like, you've really done it. Like, All right, it's just a demo. It's just a demo. We won't take it serious. Yeah. Put the vocals on, the stems. He's like, right, send it back to Mr. Jam. Mr. Jam, send it off to Pitbull team. Pitbull team, come back. Here's a stem from Leona Lewis singing it. I went, what? She's like, the re-vocal, the main vocal. Can you send us all the lyrics? Can you send us everything? Can you send us the stems and everything? And then they sent me everything back, and they had Leona Lewis singing it now, and not the girl that That's we'd recorded. Insane. They had 16, 32 bars of Pitbull, and they were like, right, get it to a point where it's radio ready, and then send us all the stems back again. I did all that, sent it to Manny Marroquin, of all people. He mixed the record. And I got another email three months later. Right, we want it to be a single for Pitbull. I'm like, fucking hell, what's going on here? Like, this is weird. So that all happened. And then we went, got invited down to a hotel in uh, London, secret location. James Hype was there as well. And we went into this back hotel room. There's just people from DJ City. Edwin Fenham, one of my mates that I've got to know through all this ordeal, ordeal or through this experience, um, all there. And then in walks Pitbull. I'm like, what the fuck? So he's there, eight backing dancers, all these fit Latino birds, right? We had the best night ever. Everything was paid for. The bar was free. The food was free. Um, he's, he's, he comes over to me, just Pitbull, and he's like, um, hey, Alex, uh, you know, your your record uh, only wants to know, that's my favourite record on the album. I'm like, oh, that's wicked to know. So by this point, we'd signed the deal, by the way, so it was coming out. Right. He's like, and then all these Latino girls are coming over going, oh, you Alex have done the, the, the uh, only wants to know song. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, it's his favourite songs. we can't stop singing it. I says, oh, well, it'd be great if it were a single then and not, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want it to be a, a single. Um, he's like, why are you not drinking? I says, oh, I'm driving. Uh, you know, I don't live close to London. He's like, oh, where do you live? Whereabouts you lived there? I said, oh, about three and a half hours away. This is a really terrible pitbull accent, but yeah. Uh, it's like about three and a half hours away. He's like, man, what, you're not drinking? I'm like, no, I'm not drinking. He's like, one second, lifts his hand up, clicks his fingers to like his manager guy. It comes over, he's like, yo, get Alex a, a room here. Get him a room. £350 a night. Pitbull just got his, his American Express out, Boom. tapped it on this thing, paid for. He's like, there you go. Uh, and I'm like, mate, what I'm, uh, What do you want for it? Like, I must owe you. He's like, don't you worry about it. Just come and drink with us. We had the best night ever. Like I said, James Hype was there. We are playing drinking games. I still to this day say he's the nicest guy I've ever met in music. He has got a heart of gold. He's a really nice guy. He's not this big front and this, you know what I mean, yeah. womanizer. He's a really sound guy who has really good stories. And then uh, the party finished. We racked up £15,000 on the bar. <laughs> And he just got out his American Express, <coughs> paid for it. He gave each waiter a £50 note as a tip. 
And I was just like, this guy is a legend. And yeah, the song came out. It wasn't a single, which is a bit sad, but it was on the album. So it came out on the album. So if you want to hear it, it's not great production, but it's Only Wants to Know featuring Leona Lewis and, and obviously by Pitbull. And, and I'm not, right, I very rarely ask this sort of question on the podcast. And I'm not asking for like pounds and pence, but like financially, mm. does a song like that change your life? Does a song like that buy you a new, a new, new, new car? Not a new. No. Does a song so like that? Like, like, yeah. Does a song like that get you a second-hand car? Does it get you a holiday? Does it get you a good weekend away with I the missus? I'm trying to think what I got. It was split because it was me. I produced it mainly. Yeah. And written a little bit of it in terms of vocals. It was a guy that in London had done the Jamie the had chunk done of, most chunk of the, of the vocals, writing. and then his friend Martin also worked on the songwriting. So it was like a, th- I think we did it thirty percent each. So you got about thirty. So, so did you get about thirty percent of the record? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so <laughs> right, here we go. So I had thirty percent. Yeah. Not to take anything away because this is obviously how the words they've got. Yeah, to make yeah, it yeah, work. yeah. They've got to make it work worthwhile. Um. Obviously, Pitbull gets a cut. It was a large cut, and I'm not gonna. I think it is worth it. No, yeah, I'm not out to. Look, I'm not out to. Make, I'm not out to disrespect anyone. But like, yeah. what sort of percentage did you come out of in the end of, so, of the whole pie? All three of us collectively got about twenty-five to thirty percent of the record. Split between three of you. Yeah. But like I said, for the exposure. Oh, of course, got yeah. Leon Lewis on oh, yeah. it. She obviously yeah. gets a cut for singing yeah. it. Yeah. And Pitbull wrote thirty-two bars to it. He's a writer at the end of the day. I'm not. Um, yeah. It's just. It just. I also just think that's a really interesting fact for anyone yeah. who doesn't know. I, mean, I, I think I'd sign it again tomorrow because the experience is. Yeah. Because yeah, of course it is. But it's it's also interesting to know if you want to make money out of music, how difficult it it, well, it's very it, difficult, it can yeah. be. Do you know yeah. I mean, because I think I put like I think I put something up on um, ages ago on Facebook about like I got my PRS statement through or something, and I think it was a record that like. In, in, obviously it wasn't a hit but like I think it was but this doesn't matter like mm. it was just me and Maitland so it's 50-50 um, but I think it was like something like and you might even know this because you're more connected to this shit than I am but I was looking at the PRS the, the Spotify stuff and it was like not point not 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 you know, yeah. two six. One a, million a, players gets you four grand. Yeah, if you own a hundred percent of everything. Yes. Yeah, so, and and how often does that fucking happen? Never. Well, do, very, do, very little. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? So it's like, and that's the thing, and I think that's why I asked that question, not to sort of, not to bring any negativity towards anyone else in the story, yeah. but just to go, oh, so you had a record on a people record, is, yeah, you, so you must weigh have... up the the opportunity to the yeah, what you're going to get in return, yeah. and yeah, on that people record. I got looked after. I got an advance, but yeah. it was split between four of us or three of us because we give some to the singer, you see, because yeah. she never got any money for singing it. It was like a four-way deal. We all just worked together for free. Yeah. And then when it came down to it, we're like, look, all the producers and songwriters, we've all been given an advance, so let's just give them a little bit out of the kindness of us that. Yeah. So we did that. I got a check after from American, what's the American collecting? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like 750 quid, like... Twelve yeah. months later, so I'm like, "Oh, this is all right if it keeps coming." Yeah, uh, it hasn't. <laughs> that's the only check I've ever had. But I got a, a nice. Do you not get any PRS from it then? Do you not get? Yeah, yeah. Get, all right, so that's what bit. I mean. It's like an American version. All oh, right, an American version. Uh, PRS, I can't remember right. what it's called. I think it begins with M. But um, I don't want to get too deep in the money no, side that's of it. What it I mean, was, but what, but it was just, what I am going to say though is, if it happened again tomorrow, of course I'd do it because the exposure yeah. outweighs it. However, 
if anyone is listening that's not done a, done a record deal, just be careful because there are people that yeah. do want to take a big cut that yeah. don't deserve it. Yeah. Pitbull fully deserved it. Yeah. Leona Lewis fully deserved it. They worked yeah. hard on the record. Their names made it do well. Without that, it probably wouldn't have done well. I don't want to get caught up in it either, but no. I've, I, I haven't written hit records, but... I also be careful of stuff. And I, I've got, and I won't mention record label names, but anyone in the industry will be able to guess the, the culprits of these sort of things. I still get sent record sales for records that I wasn't paid in advance on, but still show like a minus figure on oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because a record label tells me that they've spent X thousands yeah. of pounds on marketing, yeah. which is fucking bullshit, by the way. Mm. But it's just like... But they can self-account for themselves and make it look like it's never made anything. Yeah. And that does go on. I am not naming any names, but I know that it goes on. Yeah. It does. And and that's not us being negative. As no, no, not at all. That's telling really naive people that are just getting yeah, into this. That's be the, yeah, that's the point. And also, we're idiots that have fallen for it. Well, no, and the thing is, you can also be too careful. When I first started yeah. working with my recent manager, he was like, "Fucking hell, you really are careful, aren't you, Alex?" I'm like, "Mate, if you've had some of the managers and some of the dealings that I've had, not 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 nothing to do with the people, by the way. Yeah. Other dealings and other things that have gone on yeah. in my in my life to do with music." It's like, you really need to just chill out and be a bit more trusted. I'm like, mate, if you'd seen some of the shit I've seen, like, you'd be like this. Yeah. And you can never be too careful, but then equally, don't ruin opportunities by being too careful. Yeah. No, it's like you say, we're definitely not being negative about it. It's no. just... It's we're a, just being real. Yeah, it's an interesting old industry. It's an interesting old industry. So was the, was the Pitbull thing pre the release of Dreams? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. So, so then, Pitbull was the first thing, so I'm like, wow, this is easy. I can so get then, yeah. away with people like this. So then, Dreams... Well, like, before I go into Dreams thing, yeah. is the Pitbull thing as, it's, as it stands to this day, like, have you written... Have, have you had lots of other tracks on people's... Art? Have you had a lot of other those kind of, like, writing for people experiences, like, big people, or is, yeah. or is that a bit of a one-off, or...? Uh, there's ones that I can't talk about that yeah. are obviously, like, ghost productions. That's fine. Um, there's also... Uh, one of the bigger ones is um, the hymn. So the hymn of big Swedish. Yeah, I think the Swedish. Yeah, I offend them. They're like managed by the same people as Chainsmokers. They've got a record out called Unstoppable that me, Ryan, which is Kid Echo, and yeah. Tim Powell wrote together. Cool. We all, like worked on it, um, and we produced that. And it was going to be one a single for me. I really wanted it, and then we got this offer from the hymn, basically saying we want it. We'll, um, we'll and I was just like, you know what? They're bigger than us, so but it's like releasing your baby in it into the big wide world. Was there a point? I mean, so that's n- called the Him Unstoppable. If no one's go, go and stream it. Go and stream it. Um, have you? Would you now say that you? Uh, and again, this is not for the fucking purposes of the tax man, more for the point of the conversation. But do you now earn more of your money out of being a being no. sat in the studio than by being a DJ? No. No. DJing's my main income. So DJing still, is still where the it's at. The thing is with music is uh, it's good when it's good and then when it's quiet, it's quiet for too, too long a period of yeah. time. You can't, I can't, anyway, I haven't been able to rely on it. Yeah. So DJing, luckily for me, I can do that with ease uh, and that's my main income. And it is a cash, and it is a cash point. Like, I, you know, yeah. I know Kev Harris and, you know, he, he said that to me um, years ago, you know, he was like, you need to treat, you know, you, DJ is your cash machine. That's your cash point. It's so right, what yeah. you do, like in between. Yeah. But it is interesting, and because we've covered it on the podcast, because I've spoken to Mark Maitland on the podcast, who is yeah. a full-time engineer, yeah, mix engineer writer, yeah, mix engineer. I've, I've used yeah. So, and there's obviously yeah. people like 
um, you know, James, who have gone to that next level as far as international DJing. Yeah. I'm still, I'm guessing, around where you're at, which is like mainly local gigs with other yeah, bits yeah, thrown yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting to know like where people can get their money from in this industry. Yeah. But if we go back to like, because I think that's a really interesting period of like the dreams thing. So like, so it was... Did we start this? No. So it was, it, yeah, you've gone through that. Yeah. But, so then, but, then, like, D, then, but then DJ wise, so then DJ wise, gonna, okay, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you before and you can, you'll know what I'm getting at here when you, when you have to answer this as well as to why you might not have made as much money as people might think you might. Okay. So is releasing dreams the sort of thing that buys you a new house? No. <laughs> is releasing not dreams the sort watch, of thing yeah. that gets you a brand new car? No. So, and tell people why that is. It can be. Yeah. It can be. It certainly can. It all depends on whether an A&R at a record, at record label believes in that record like hell or just a bit. And with a new artist like me or with any new artist, if you are a new artist that's listening, if a big label like Ministry come along, like, you've done pretty well. Yeah, it's an amazing You'll be expecting 20, 30 bags yeah. because you're a new artist that no one's probably heard of yeah. and giving you 30 grand is a massive fucking risk to their career. Yeah. So it's less than 15 grand. I'll say but there's that. also, but there's also a big reason it's less than 50. It's, oh, it's also a big reason that it's less than it could be. And that is, I'm guessing with dreams, there's a lot of publishing gone elsewhere. Yep. So no publishing, Gabrielle retained all of there it. There you go. So, and that you want to get the master. Yeah. Um, so, so that, deal, that would be a very different story. Had you written a yeah. vocal, like, but Ministry of Sound, though, technically wouldn't be bothered about that unless they were publishing it too, because your publisher would get that. But you would get more money. You know, you would get a lot more money. Oh, I would. Yeah, that's, what, Sorry, that's, yeah, that was my point. No, that, but that's my point. Out of, yeah. as you, in your personal bank account, a hit, a, a record that performed as well as yeah. Dreams did, yeah. had you or anyone who had written a similar record written it all mm-hmm. and retained 100% of the publishing, then yeah. you are getting closer to a brand new car. Then you yes, are you getting are, closer yeah. to, uh, you know, at I least... I mean, don't a, forget Dreams didn't chart. So if you're talking really? about, oh yeah, yeah, 56. That's mad. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head and said, did, 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 did Alex Ross Dreams get in the top 40, I'd have gone 100%. This is the thing, and like, again, I'm not That's mad anybody. That. The support was just not synced right. That's mad. That. And that was no one's fault. It's just that when it was at its peak on Spotify and all these people were playing it, yeah. like at one point it was on like two or 300,000 a day. Why are they getting loads of radio play? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. And then the radio is like, they were just like, we'll play it when they play it. And they were like, we'll, like Radio 1 were like, we'll play it when Capital play it. Capital were like, we'll play it when Radio 1 play it. And because there was this American, uh, Mexican standoff, it just never... But did it not get Radio Play went. then? It got Radio Play, but it didn't get Play. didn't get like A-list, it like full-on repeat. now and again, right, and like okay. Radio 1 supported it on That's a weekend. Mad. Capital, they made a jingle on Capital and it went, That's three, mad. two, one, let's go. Boom, Alex Ross, Dreams featuring Dakota. And then it played this little jingle. That's mad. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, obviously as a kid who listens to Capital, or oh, back then it was Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Um... Shout out to Andy Durant. Shout out to Andy Durant. <laughs> uh, it's funny because when he left Capital, why one of my records were the last song that he played on that's his show mad. before he left? Yeah, that's insane. I'm, like not, like, it, I'm not trying to make you like feel bad or anything, but in my edit was like, oh, don't get in my edit was like though, a top forty I, I record. Dwell, the thing is, like I said, going back to the mental health thing, you can dwell on it. It was just not the stars were aligned. Like Capital didn't play it at the right time when Radio One were playing it, and and they both said, "Look, we need more proof." Before we're gonna put it on there as a as a thing, and it's the things just didn't line up, and like I said, no one's to blame. Um, but the stats are there, like oh, yeah. you can't deny on Spotify, twenty five million without being on a radio is unreal. 
So Gabrielle might have got a new car out of it. She probably did, yeah. She probably got a new car. Uh, and she weren't budging mate, on the pub. Mate, I went to see her at uh, the Sage recently for like 80 odd quid a ticket, so. Uh, right, Alex Ross is back from yeah, having a, a Just having a quick. We could. I, 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 I'm, I'm aw- I know I'm aware of the time. And that's all right, I could talk for hours. I know, that's my fucking fear. So I'm going <laughs> to take control of this shit. Yeah. I want to pick up on some stuff, right? So, first of all, one of the things that you said interested me because it's something that I'm uh, acutely aware of. And you sort of said, look, you know, you grew up in that period where, or you've grown up in that period where things have got quieter, like mm. in, in town centres and bars yeah. and clubs and everything else. And I'm obviously like acutely aware of that in my DJing career and stuff. Yeah. And I just, you know, wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you think stuff's changed way, like in, in, around here. Like, obviously, you've, you you have been like you've gone from Huddersfield to Wakefield to DJ. You've gone in different places. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it's harder now for for people to get into being a DJ? Are there, are there less gigs? Are there more um, opportunities? Like, are you have you found it's harder to get gigs? Have you got less gigs? Are you having to travel more to do gigs? No, I don't. I don't have to travel more. Um, I'm not particularly looking like I do one residency at the moment and then obviously other booking as Alex Ross but yeah. the residence is just like a residence there. Yeah. It pays for my studio. I'm in my studio now. Yeah. It pays for this. Cool. So that's worth it to me. Yeah. It's not a big old singing and dancing yeah. massive night. No, it's nice. It's a cash but, machine. But it's a DJ thing. Yeah. And it also keeps me on top of what's good at yeah. the moment because I'm constantly looking through charts. Of course. I'm on doing the damage.com. Yeah. 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 I need my account renewing by yeah. the way. <laughs> but no, but it's good. But, but that's, yeah, yeah, so it keeps me, it keeps my ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, and it pays for this, but yes, it 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 is um it is harder nowadays. It's also easier. So when I started, especially with the music production, with the likes of SoundCloud just letting you upload bootlegs and you could get it and stuff, that were brilliant. Now that's not an option anymore. So kids are having to find other ways of getting their music heard. Yeah, that's through promos. DJ City is a really good one. Yeah, um, stuff like that with gigs. I think if I was to be looking for more gigs, yes, it would be harder in terms of I value myself for a specific price and a lot of bar managers that probably don't have a fucking clue yeah. would rather pay a kid 50 quid. Yeah. Now, obviously, the, the, if they're not getting the, the quality of service, a lot of managers don't know because yeah. they're just naive to the fact of a good DJ half at the time. When yeah. the bar's not doing good sales, like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, we don't know, but it's yeah. probably the DJ or people not going out. Um that is so, also yeah, you've got to value your worth. But that is also a factor, I think. I do think town centres are quieter. I do think they less are, people yeah, are going are, out. Yeah. I do think kids like And that equally results in bar managers saying, Look, we can only pay this amount of money. Yeah. So I do I do uh I do feel for the managers that can't afford to pay big big wages. Um but I also am a firm believer in paying for a good product. And yeah. if a local DJ and bring a crowd and knows what he's doing he's, all, he's worth it compared to what, someone that's starting out that just wants a bit of practice I think there's two like I mean you just you just brought something up which is which was never a factor when I was a kid like this whole like bringing a crowd thing like when I started getting DJ gigs you know back when the dinosaurs were walking the planet yeah. um, that wasn't a thing because it was pre-social media pre-Facebook yeah. pre-everything else so it was like you were a DJ because you love music and you were good at it yeah. no one ever expected you to did they never bring. look at you and go, oh, look, Felix has brought all his mates with him again. <laughs> like, come in and see you every weekend. 
I don't think I ever had any mates. Not that you asked them. You didn't go, oh, please come to my night. They just came because you were there. I mean, no, I mean, we ran our own nights. Like, so that's, that was the thing that, like, and I was give that advice to everyone I mentioned it at the start. You want a gig, start, start your own night. You know, so it was like, we went to, yeah, yeah. we went to, like, the quietest club in town. Yeah. And we, and we started our own night and we booked DJ. So we booked Youssef, we booked, like, Judge Jules, we booked people. Like, mm. we spent our own money and we booked it. So in that way, we got a crowd because we promoted it. Like, yeah. we got flyers printed. But it wasn't like now where you feel like, you know, like, I don't know if this is like just really out of order and you might know him and like him, but like Joe Corey, you know, like people like people who are like social media influencers yeah. who then become, I mean, Fisher's a perfect fucking example of it. Like now I'm not saying he's not talented or excellent, but he was, a but, but, guy, but he was, he was a professional media. fucking surfer. He was, was, a professional, he was on a professional surf tour. He's fucking funny. He's an amazing entertainer. He's a pure personality. And it's like, I'm not saying he's not a great DJ or a good producer. I don't give a like a fuck about that. Yeah, but and and even on on a more local level, and I'm sure you know this. It's like the local good-looking, funny kids who can who's got a pair of decks would definitely get more people to a a bar on a Thursday in Newcastle than I would. And like, makes it feel like a massive sense of achievement because I am not. <laughs> well, neither am I, mate. But, but I've done all right. It's yeah. just, it's just interesting, and like, and, and I've said on this podcast loads of times, I am not moaning about it. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I just find it you interesting. Want to start a about yeah, it, I just yeah, find it well. interesting to look at the different things that, I mean, my, that are happening. My view on that is, I've got quite a, a strict view. If the person, the said celebrity, shall we call them, so for instance, someone that's been on Love Island or Only Ways Essex or something like that, yeah. If they genuinely did want to be or were a DJ before yeah. stardom, it's absolutely fine. Joe Corrett is one of them. He yeah. he actually was a DJ or did want to be one. Yeah. And it just so happens that something else has made him more popular, but then he's going to back me, to his to roots. Be fair, it's still fucking fine if they didn't. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it, I'm, I'm not, no, I but, no, but this is where I disagree. Okay. So then you've got people who are... I don't want to name them, but say they're a TV host or they were a very successful host on like a cleaning program or you might have seen them on Tower and they never had the intention of being a DJ but it's just a way but a booking of, agent goes yeah. how can we make this guy more money I know we'll send him out for DJ sets that's when it annoys me yeah. and that's not because I'm jealous even though they probably are getting big bucks what really annoys me is the musical soul at the heart of me that's like you should really be in this yeah. for the music but I think, for the love I th- and not just take advantage of being a DJ in commas because there's money in it. Yeah, well, I think I'm technically still barred from Northumbria University for having an on-stage fisticuffs with someone who now is a presenter on Five Live but used to read the sport on Radio 1 who was DJing at an end of term. I'll tell you Do later. You know what? Okay, yeah. I'll tell you later. But anyway... Do I'm- it now, now. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I probably do agree with you. But, but my point being is, that, look, anyone can do it, and you know, yeah. but, but times have changed. I guess my next sort of question is, and, and we've discussed, you know, that you've got various aliases at the minute that you know yeah. you don't want to be on a name. But like, what do you see? Like, I mean, you you played me some stuff before. It's, it's, I mean, you in your words, kind of poppy sort of music. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the future? Not for a specific name, but what's the future for you? Like, what do you? Are you? I'm, I'm going off in loads of different avenues at the moment. The thing is, with Alex Ross, I hate saying it like that. It like no, no, but, but, yeah, it, but it is a the brand. The thing is, with the brand Alex Ross, yeah. that is dance, pop, recognisable dance music. Yeah. I also have an alias that I've not brought out yet, which I spoke to you before yeah. about. That is purely tech, underground, okay. heavier stuff. Cool. Of which I'm hoping not to be identified so that it does well in its own merits and not. Yeah. And no one also goes, oh, it's Alex Ross, can't be good then. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously, or, or of, co- or of course, now. it would be great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it could work both ways. Uh, mate, you've never stood. Cheesy. I don't think Alex Ross is mate, cheesy. Mate, I just I want to bring it back to this, right? And and I think about this. I mean, ke- two points I want to make really quickly. Yeah. First of all, Kevin Harris makes a very good point about Medusa and the fact that they made a record. They weren't Medusa when they made the record. No, I know. No one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Simon and all that. Matt and everyone. Producers, yeah. yeah. But what I mean is that was an act that didn't fucking exist, and that record's gone on to become one of the group, biggest records of all time. Yeah. So you can still, from whoever the fuck you were, write a record. And it'd be great, mate. Yeah. And the second point I want to make, and this is not shame anyone because he's a fucking genius. But you know, one half of Camel Fat stood on the top on top of the pops in a fucking pink YSL shirt and sang pretty green eyes. Yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want, having done whatever the as fuck you've the done in dance music. Like, yeah. I, and, I, and I disagree with anyone who says you can't right. because because Camel Fat and you know are the biggest. You know, I was in High IB for a couple of weeks ago seeing them, and we all know how big they are and what they yeah, fucking do. But Pretty Green Eyes but, and Ultra Beat were a massive record and, back then. And, and, no, and, and, there's, and it's a fucking great record, by the way. I'm not saying oh, for yeah, a second that it's yeah. not a great record, but to to move from to transfer from that to that... Which will be classed as quite poppy. Yeah, I think yeah. shows that anything is possible in the music industry. Anything is possible. I think the reason A lot of stuff's improbable. I like to go under guises <laughs> is because I've seen the pigeonholing. Oh, it's him, it must be this. Gosh. Or we don't want it. And, and I think it's less likely now. Like I say, Camel Fat have been a big like yeah. uh, pioneer of that yeah. in that they don't care. But then also, they're not going to as Ultra Beat again, though, have they? they no, have no, no, no. Yeah, of course. So it's only when people start putting two and two together and realise that Mike Scarlet was in yeah. was in Ultra Beat, you realise and put them together. But only those guys know that. The general public can't but he, he did stand on he did stand on top of the pops. You haven't seen that video. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like he was a faceless you producer. Tell, you can't ask me what Robin S looks like and I can draw him. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I get where he's going, but people yeah. won't remember that. Yeah. Um, however, if they'd have called it Ultra Beat Caller, then yeah. they'd have gone, oh, of course oh, not. Yeah. Ultra Beat, bringing out music yeah, now. Of course so not. Yeah. I think you do have to go under guises for different things. But yeah, going back to what I'm doing now, so I am writing and producing for a lot of other people, um, a lot of stuff that's like I say, mainly like for other DJs and stuff that don't make music. Yeah. Um, I'm also, um, right, I've got an, a, 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 with me, I, I write a lot now as well, so I'm lyrically writing a lot and I'm working with a really talented singer called Cameron who was on cool. Close Enough, my new single, go have a listen cool. right now, a little plug. So Cameron sings on Close Enough and... Is that an Alex Ross single? That's Alex Ross, cool. yeah, Close Enough, just another one. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm getting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get it in there. Um, and... We're going to be called Mad Moon, we've decided, and we are just writing music that we like. It's not dance music. A lot of it's acoustically orientated. Cool. Um, and we're also writing pop records that we're trying to pitch to other artists. Uh, we had Zara Larson's manager interested in one of them. Um, we're still waiting on that. Um, and then, yeah, I've got this other alias, which is Peke. So I, I just, the thing is, I just love making music. If I could release it all as Alex Ross, I would. And there's probably nothing stopping me. But... Just to not put all my eggs in one basket, I, I, I'm kind of creating these other geysers. Yeah, which, to... which, which, if people don't know out there, by the way, musicians do all the time. I also it, like I was... the fact that people go, oh my God, you're that guy as well. I'm yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Like I did it with Them Next Door. People, I don't know if you've heard of Them Next Door. No. I, was, I used to do a lot of bootlegs. Uh, and that was me, Danny T and Luke Tibble. And all right, cool. I was like, obviously the main producer. Nice one. And... Uh, a lot of people heard their records and like, and I'm like, oh, then, uh, like I heard a DJ the other week playing playing a tune and I went, oh, forgot forgot about that. And I, and and the thing is, I didn't intentionally pretend not to name it as my record. He just literally didn't know. Didn't and know like, yeah. What well, you did that? I'm like, yeah, didn't you know? And he's like, no. So yeah, there's loads of like them next door and a few others that I did. But I think uh, that's bro pretty- is another one. 
B R E A U X. But and then obviously some some others for other well-known DJs that you probably know. Yeah, yeah, of course. But but, if, and, and, but I don't think again it's another one of those little little statements where if you're if you're just and this, this is not like anything against anyone. But if you're not inside this industry, you have no idea what goes on inside yeah. this industry as far as like DJs are who you think make records, who don't make records, DJs are who who make records for other DJs and, and still mm. like, you know, like the, like um, the Camel Fat guys wrote mm. 17 and MK put it out. And it's yeah. like, now that's not, we're not taking anything away from MK, he's not really talented, but that sort of thing, you know, it's like Adam Van Helden basically wrote Bonkers and Dizzy did the vocal over mm. it. And it's like, you know, and it's like all that stuff. And it's like, these aren't these aren't negative and comments. And that's referred to as Dizzy Rascal Bonkers. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's not no. I'm not making negative yeah. points. I'm saying, but if you're not inside the bubble, yeah. you don't have any clue. Yeah. This what's goes. This no. is this is what goes on. Ago, that's good. That in. Yeah. Or, or, or he did that and she did that or they did that and they did I've this. I've told people I'd be like, Yo, Chris Lake made that, you know, and, and like. But they really don't care. And, and, why, and, right. and why the fuck should they care? Yeah. Um, right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up in the same way that we wrap every podcast up. Okay. So, so if you ever listen to one to the end, you'll know what's coming. I, not, <laughs> I feel really guilty. If now. not, you're gonna They're get pretty long. You've got to set if, down. If, you've got to be if, on a long drive. If not, then you're gonna have to think on your feet, lad. Um, no, it's not. It's just the same same question that ends every single one, which is basically you are going to curate your. Well, I have heard this. Yeah, you're, basically you're going to cu- curate yes. your favourite lineup, right? Wow. And it can be as loose as you want in the sense that what I want is from you a venue. Yeah. It can be, you know, a house party. It can be, um, you know, that club that used to go to your granddad's Christmas karaoke. It can be the old mills. It can be, you know, it can be at a, t- a time when that venue was busy. It doesn't have to be right yeah. today. It can be Wembley Stadium. It can be an old club that used to play and it was fun. You loved it. But I want a venue from you. And then how we how we do it on this, just because I get to fucking make the rules, is there's three acts. Um, you can be one of the acts yeah. by all means. You can go on first, second, or third. The reason I say first, second, or third is not a headline. So the the one at the act that's third is not the most important. There's just three acts. Um, or you can just be at it, enjoying it. So you can create the act you want to be. They don't just have to be DJs. They can be dead or alive. They can be you know. You can even say like, oh, I want Aaron Van Helden, but I want him at the time when he was playing my 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 not a, a set from him now or you know or i want like yeah, yeah, you know i yeah, want yeah. daft punk but i want daft punk from the fucking like just when they've dropped discovery or whatever so it's like this total dream gig that you get to cu- curate i want a venue so yeah so where are we going to do it where are we going to hold this sh- indig it's tough because the venue is probably the only one that i can't quite pin down okay so i'd probably be quite vague and just say like maybe a stadium like okay but like but a big a big or, or, a yeah, big outdoor kind of thing yeah let's i'll tell you what let's go for what's the new york place uh oh, central park no that big venue that big stadium uh well, one of the sports ones oh you yeah. mean madison square garden madison square garden right, okay, so we'll go cool. with that just yeah. for a big show okay right. madison square garden i can't really think of a venue i've been to loads of venues but i thought you honestly thought you were going to say oh do it at the mills again like because that was because yeah. like, some people go back to that but right no we're at oh, madison God. square garden yeah. it's all right who's on first wow i'm in van elden then actually okay. so i'm in van elden's got to be there because okay without hearing his tunes which again going back to that they're all like kind of bootlegs weren't they They were all ripped samples yeah. from the yeah. 80s I'll, and... t- I'll tell you about i'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it now because everyone should check it out if you've never heard this and if you can't find it online i will personally get it to you but he did this mix called a new york house mix odyssey pretty sure it was like a dj mag cover cd or something years ago and it's fucking unreal 
And if you've never, if you haven't heard it, I will find it for you and get it to you. And it's just at that point of when he's releasing like my, my, my and all that kind of stuff. And there's like rock in there and everything. And it's like him mixing it. And it's like, it's genius. So yeah, go, I'll I'll find it for you and get it to you. But I want more than three. I've got the three, but you can put a couple of people back to back. You can create. All right. Yeah. We'll do a back to back. That'll work for me. Right. Okay. So I really love 1975. The 1975. Yeah. yeah, okay. I think they're the best band for a long time. I know okay. they're quite a hybrid indie, Indian pop kind I of thing. I think PVH put the 1975 on, on. I love on, them. And right. the thing is, like, I listened to Arctic Monkeys as a player growing up. Yeah. And they were real bands, but in, and I heard Ben Rainey saying, like, they're not a real band, but they are because they're the first band that I've heard yeah. that, bring, apart from Daft Punk, that bring like this synthesizers and electronic yeah, yeah. and band music. So they've got a real drum player, but then they've got electronic drums cool. and then they've got synthesizers. So 1975. They're going on second. I love their music. Cool. Yeah. Big fan the too. The lyrical content is yeah. amazing. The melodies. So 1975 to warm up for the after. I'm Van Elden will come on and do a, I don't know how this is working. No, 1975 first. Okay. Right. Yeah. They're on first. They do a two hour set. Yeah. Then Chris Lorenzo. And Chris Lake back to back. Nice. Which you can go and see. I've never seen him, but Lorenzo is like my man crush in terms of music. Yeah. Like he's my idol. I was lucky enough to make Dreamer with him. Remember Dreamer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that with him. And I went down to his studio, by the way, and I, I was sat there like with in wide eyes, thinking, right, I'm going to learn everything. He's just a sick guy at production. There's not one technique. Maybe if I went back now, I might be like, oh, he's done that, he's done that. But when I was like 18, 19, I went down there. good. I was just like, I can't really pinpoint any special secrets. He's just a sick guy. He's got a great ear. Chris Lake and Chris Lorenzo, because I think they're two of the best dance music pioneers. Chris Chris Lake is a genius. Absolute genius. Uh, And so is Chris Lorenzo, to be fair. And then I would finish with... You've had the 1975. Oh, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they would finish. They would finish. So everyone would be like buzzing after... Oh, then it would be Alan Van Elden after to warm down. Cool. And play all the classic. But yeah, uh, I think that's who I'd go with. And nice there's one. so many other artists and producers that I'd like to put on. Of course, mate. It's not like, yeah. you know, it, I think the thing is with this question is people would give a different answer fucking 10 minutes before, an hour later. The yeah, next day. Not, it's just, you just spring it's it on just, me. Yeah, but there's, but, there's, but there's something nice about the kind of, <laughs> there is something nice about the fact that most people have asked weren't ex- expecting yeah, it. Yeah, and if you so, ask me night now, it is Chris Lane. Yeah, yeah it and, is and there's, Lane, there's and something nice, and, 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 and like the thing that like DJs have all the time is they've heard something through the day, they've heard like there's mm. something else has just dropped in their head and there's like, but there's something nice about just getting that like, like that kind of like spontaneity of, yeah. of the answer. Right, well Alex Ross, it's been a delight. Anyone go much. and check out that new single. Yeah, it's called Closer. Closer. Go and Close stream. Enough. Don't bother streaming Dreams because you won't get any money from it. But go and check out that. Oh, <laughs> go yeah. and check and out the you, Pitbull you, record. If you want to listen to my musical archive, it's <laughs> the hymn, Unstoppable. Pitbull only wants to know. Uh, uh, close enough, Alex Ross, that's the newest one. Go and click and those. And keep an eye out for Mad Moon, which is Mad me Moon. and this other uh, singer-songwriter called Cameron. And we're bringing, we're just going to self-release. We're just bringing nice one. Right, thank you, man. Appreciate thank it. You. Bye. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.